Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Blog Talk Radio. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year, I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. You know, Jeremy, today I don't care about your thighs. Are you sure? Most days I do. Today, we not just, so much. We just don't have enough going on for me to, to care. completely ignore your thighs. Today, <laughs> today, we have enough of a show that I will, I will not be considering your thighs at any point. Okay. All right. Perfect. Welcome to Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, 14th of July, 2014, the continuation of year six of the net live and we are bringing it to you from southern california a muggy and florida like southern california a little bit of rain already this morning really drops raindrops i must not have been up early enough very for that. pleasant outside cloudy though i'm expecting afternoon thunderstorms it is very tropical it is weather it is but uh we are we are here in the home court we have a fantastic show planned for you today it says really big show on my rundown here. I'm not sure who wrote that, but it's in all caps. We have Jeff Conover, former coach, silver medal winning coach for April and Jen, now the tournament director or, if you read his LinkedIn profile, director of sports and competition oh, nice. for the AVP. That sounds more professional, doesn't it? Fresh off the Midwest success story that was Milwaukee. Correct. We will talk to Jeff. We appreciate him spending some time with us. Cam Kerr, our intrepid reporter. He is on the FIVB tour this year. He was in Gestad. Gestad. Yep. Which I think Sean Connery should say it all the time. Every single, that, anyone else that should, should be his sound bite every time. Gestad. Yeah. Welcome to Gestad. <laughs> so we'll have audio from Nick Lucena of Nick and Ryan. Yep. Phil. Philip. Philip. Of, of Philip fame. Yeah. And Rosie, he of Superman fame. We will have audio from those three guys. They had a pretty good tournament. I saw a lot of U.S. jerseys on the medal stand. Yeah. Good stuff. Yep. In Stad. We will also have the Croatian call-in. This is going to be entertaining. Yeah, this will be good. Tim Kelly, a friend of the show, has a bunch of college coaches coaching a variety of different teams over in Croatia right now. And we will have Jared Elliott of Texas, Kyle Robinson of LIU Brooklyn, Deidre Collins of SDSU, that's San Diego State University, for those of you who don't speak the West Coast parlance, and Mike Seeley of UCLA, that's the University of California at Los Angeles, in case you didn't know. There's a lot going on today, Kevin. 
Yeah. That means we have to get right into it. We can't just BS the first half hour. No, no, we can still do it. No, oh, okay. Cool. Good. Yeah, Dane Blanton's still shocked about that. Still bitter. Probably would have <laughs> yeah. turned it off. I'm, I've actually almost gotten rid of my cold, except for the coughing fits that wake me up at 2 in the morning randomly. Well, at least people know who it is this week. They were confused oh, last week. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was confusing. I listened to part of the show just to hear what just it sounded like. Just to hear what your like. voice was. <laughs> Sketchy. It was not me. Uh, we want to make sure we send out our condolences to Summer Ross on the death of her mother uh, this past week. We understand she lost a, a rather quick battle with cancer Yes. in the last few months. Uh, so condolences to Summer. Uh, we're really sorry to hear uh, about your mom dying. And uh, I, I can identify with it happening a little early, not as early as Summer. Uh, yeah. Losing my dad when I was still in my 20s, but a uh, terrible thing. So uh, good luck to Summer and her family. Moving on, uh, the 25 minutes of the show that isn't volleyball-related or maybe mildly yeah, volleyball-related. Sure? I have a problem. I think that movies are out of ideas. Oh, boy. Anyone seen the trailer for Into the Storm? I saw a billboard for it. I haven't seen trailers, so I have no idea what it's about. I saw a commercial for it. It is Twister. Nice. All it is is Twister. In the Sea? It's Twister plus, what was the one, uh, Day After Tomorrow? Yeah, where the world freezes Where the world froze. Yeah. So it's basically those two things put together. It's like a monster F, F-22 tornado. You know, <laughs> it only goes up to F-5, the scale, but they'll, this one they'll have to go like F-22. Yeah. It's swirling in lots of jumbo jets. I don't know why they have like... Eight 747s all in the same airspace, but apparently they do because it looks better on, t- on the movie. But th- this is some crazy storm thing, 122 miles an hour or something. Whatever. I think you're just out of ideas. We're recycling things. Well, let's look at entertainment as a whole. Think about the music that you're listening to on the radio. Yes. Think about all of the real housewives of every single city in the United States that's on TV. Think about... Um, you know, everything, like, they're just remaking movies left and right. It's the entertainment world. They're just going to the lowest common denominator, maybe? Of the people who are, I mean, obviously people, people want to see it. Saw. Saw 17. Saw 36. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those get made because they make money. No. I don't know if Into the Storm will make money. It just looks like, hey, we did Twister. The CGI in 1995 or whatever wasn't all that great. We couldn't now do that much. Do another one. That's right. But so this isn't, and we can't get Helen Hunt. So let's just yeah, make yeah. the tornadoes really big. So this one, I, for some reason, I thought it was in the sea. This is not. This is on land. I don't know. I just saw a bunch of airplanes yeah. and buildings gotcha. and everything else going. It's not a water spout, Jeremy. It's a tornado. Oh, yeah, I thought maybe you if were it's wrong. A tornado over land, over water. It's a water spout. All I saw was a billboard. <laughs> yeah, I, I just wonder if we're out of ideas. We're, we're back to remaking the Planet of the Apes films for the third time. I saw Planet of the Apes over the weekend. Okay, don't ruin it for me. I won't. But I'm in. They own my money. Yeah. Did you watch? You should watch. Did you watch the little movies in between? I posted those this week on my Facebook. What I movies think. in between? So it's 10 years between the end of yeah. whatever. Birth of the Planet of the Apes. What's the first one? Rise of the Planet Rise. of the Apes. This is the dawn. Right. So yeah. from Rise to Dawn, there's 10 years in between. Yep. And on Nerdist.com, they posted three movies that... Detail what happened the in the ten time. years between not detail but our stories within. Gotcha. One is in year one, one is in year five, and one kind of covers the the whole gambit, but it's supposed to be year ten. Yeah. It's called the gun. It just follows a gun throughout the ten years. Okay. It's pretty cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, they're really really good. I think I posted them on my Facebook page, but um, yes, I liked the new Planet of the Apes. Okay. I don't really. It's gotten good reviews. I it's think. gotten great reviews. 
Visually, it's really cool. The apes look fantastic. Ooh, Caesar. Yeah. Um, apes. Yeah. No want. And I'm. War. I, I can unless it's visually cool or something I really want to see. I don't. I usually wait till it comes out on DVD. This is one where I was like, I'm going to the theater to see this. Yeah. I liked it. You'll enjoy it. Okay. I won't give you any other. I mean, you know what happens because you know what you've seen the remake with the Mark Wahlberg one where he's in space. Like we haven't got there yet, but you know the end of it. Does it fit with the one with Mark Wahlberg in space? That's, I hadn't thought about that because that it, was kind of a one off. But that's in the future. They tried to kind of reboot the franchise with that, but that wasn't it was, a success. It was okay. It was the one. It was the last one they did that really got it back. See, I know it because because I was born in 1974. And I grew up in the 80s, and I had WGN Channel 9, who would do a Planet of the Apes marathon, I think twice a summer, and maybe once every winter. The original one? Oh, the original. Oh, yeah. Just making sure. Yeah, Charlton Heston. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Planet of the Apes, the original. Where With he's, the loincloth? Yeah, and he's running through the fields. You know, he's crashed oh, yeah. spaceship yep. and so oh, on. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I'm familiar with the story enough. But I, I liked the first movie, the, the, the new first movie. With Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> No, not that one. Oh, the one with um, Rise. Yes, Rise of Planet of the yeah, Apes. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. They have my money for this one. Yeah, you'll like it. Watch those movies. You'll like those things. Look okay. them up. Uh, we'll get them posted on the Facebook page as well for us. So continue to try to expand your horizons, people. We know you love volleyball, but not just volleyball. You got to do other things. Uh, LeBron to the Cavs. A little surprising. Yeah. I mean, not like a bit. It's not like oh my god, I can't believe that happened. I, I thought team wise. With him going to the Cavs, it actually gave Miami more money to spend on people like, obviously, Chris Bosh. They still haven't signed Wayne yet, but they will. Um, I don't think Cleveland's going to win a championship. At least not the way. pretty good talent there. Here's what they got going for him. The East is awful. It's wide open. So if you beat everybody in the East, you only have to beat one Western Conference team, whereas opposed to the other Western Conference teams have to beat three other or four other in the playoffs to get to the finals. Um Right now, the Washington Wizards are the favorite to win the East. That's right. My hometown, Washington Wizards. Who? The Washington Wizards. They should just state the bullets. And Agreed. The, the incident with Gilbert Arenas would have made a lot more sense. <sighs> yeah. We had too much violence in D.C., Kevin, so I had to hand the Wizards. You have a crack addict for a mayor. Well, yeah. You did. Twice. Twice. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. And you could tell he's a little scarred from the decision. And the fallout from that, as he has ha- not even held a press conference. Here's the, th- here's the only thing he did wrong with the decision. Everything about it was fine. He just needed to tell the, the Cavaliers first. If he would have done that, it would have been fine. Really? He, yeah. It, uh, isn't it still self-grandiosity? And sure. He made $2.5 million for charity from that TV event. Right, and that's that what nobody talks, gets lost. Nobody talks about that. Nobody ever mentions ever. that, that not he gave one that time, money away. Not one time ever did anybody talk about that. $2.5 million for a charity. Yeah, here you go. I didn't make a dime off of that. I know, nobody talked about it. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. Yeah. He can leverage his celebrity into a half-hour program that, love it or hate it, people watched yeah, and sure. produced dollars ESPN was part of it. ESPN was part of it, too. Oh, well, ESPN has been feeding that monster forever. For sure. It, it was the Tim Tebow network for a long time. Yeah. It was the Manti Teo network for a while. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, when they're following the white van a la OJ. Yep. No, it's, I don't know. I like it. I, I think it's intriguing. I think it's kind of cool that, that he's doing it that way. People say, I can't go back to Cleveland. Eh, 
I can. I was a little surprised with the owner, though. Well, the owner's a nut job, obviously. As a lot of owners have proven to be, see Donald Sterling, but, see the owner of the Knicks, what the heck's his name? Uh, Russian guy, Russian he, mafia guy. Wait, no, that's Brooklyn, isn't it? No, the owner of the Knicks. Oh, yeah, Dolan. Dolan, yeah. he's a nut job. Yeah. Well, the thing about LeBron just came out really heavy against my former owner, well, current owner, Donald Sterling. Uh, he's a complete... Which was understandable. But, but he was a scumbag before. No doubt. But then the owner now you're going to was calling you a coward and all kinds of things in a letter he posted on his on the team's website that was still up until like a week ago. Who did that? Uh, the owner of the Cavs. When LeBron left, he wrote like an op-ed. Oh, right, remember? right, right. I remember that, yeah. And that article was still on their website until like a week ago. Dan Gilbert? Yeah. Is his name, right? But, you know, he, he loves, I mean, he's all, he's. Loves that town. That's where he's from. Hey, if they can figure it out, they can figure it out. If he if he brings a championship to Cleveland, oh, just I was telling someone yesterday, he'll never have to walk again. People will carry him wherever he wants to go. His feet won't have to touch the ground. How large should the statue be? S- statue of Liberty esque. Yeah, <laughs> you know call. what I'm saying? Like that's a good call. Yeah, out in the middle of the river. They're gonna put an island out there just <laughs> for him and just for his statue. What should he hold? What should he hold? She has books and a torch. What? What he'll, should LeBron he'll hold? hold the trophy okay. and then the town of Cleveland in his arm like a baby. <laughs> That's what it's going to look like. <laughs> it's a lot of bronze. Yeah. It's a lot of bronze. Yeah, I, that's a good call. I, but, I mean, it'll be intriguing. You know how much money that city's already making now? Oh, yeah. You know how many jerseys they're selling? Yeah. Cavaliers jerseys, once again. Mm-hmm. And all those people who didn't burn their Cavaliers 23 jersey originally. They're like, I got my throwback. Yeah, they're hanging on to those things. They can pull them back out of mothballs. Uh, World Cup is over, and this should be good news for the USA volleyball teams because the USA women defeated yep. Brazil a whole bunch of times Smashed at the them. USA Cup. Yeah. And I think, I believe, I do not have confirmation of this, haven't really watched the news in the last couple of days, but I think after the 7-1 loss, to Germany in the semis, and he lost to Holland in the third place game. And I think I've heard that Brazil sank, and there's just an extra part of the Atlantic Ocean there now that South America has been completely reconfigured because <laughs> there's no more Brazil. Because Brazil is gone. <laughs> it doesn't exist as we used to know it. Uh, the think- only thing that would have been worse for Brazil. Is that they lost all of their players on the soccer team as opposed to two of their best? No. The only thing that would have been worse is if Argentina had won on Brazilian soil. Correct. Like, they said most of the stadium was cheering for Germany because they didn't want Argentina to win. Yes. Hatred, in capital letters, hardly begins to describe Argentina and Brazil. These two countries, off the hook against each other. Correct. Off the hook. Yeah. And I remember a scene, America's Cup, volleyball tournament, used to be held with the Americas, north and south. Used to be held every year. It was held in Argentina. We went and played in a big tournament. was on ESPN Deportes back in the day. Ends up with Brazil and Argentina in the finals in Argentina. They have, in Argentina, when you play in a sporting event, they have automatic weapons, full-on police officers, like military police officers, yeah. in the, the stadium, along with 
German Shepherdosauruses, which I heard are bred in northeastern German Argentina. Shepherdosauruses. Shepherdosauruses. <laughs> yep. Do they have small arms or do they have full on? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like are their front two legs? Like are they? It's more a size thing. <laughs> okay. More a size okay. thing than a, than a short front arms thing. Just curious. And a, a size of mouth. Gigantic German Shepherds. Yeah. These two teams play each other in the final. Yeah. Brazil wins. We're watching. I think we were there for the closing ceremonies or whatever. I don't remember what we finished. Brazil wins. Mm-hmm. Proceeds to go around the entire outside of the court, raising their arms while jumping sideways facing the crowd. You know, you're sideways shuffling and raising the arms like you're trying to get the crowd to rise up and feel yeah, like yeah. your home fans, yeah. right? You're getting them all riled. Yeah. Well, they're doing that to the Argentine fans after they win. Brazil is doing that. Everything that wasn't nailed down in the stadium comes raining into the middle of the court. The Brazilians end up running for cover past us underneath. Because rows of chairs are flying at them. Well, luckily, it's one of those with the permanent bolted in. If you took apart one of those crappy 1970s seats that has the the metal X on the bottom and then the molded plastic body, it's those bodies bolted to the ground. Gotcha. So they can't tear those up. If they could have, they would have. Yes, every chair in the place would have come flying down. Unbelievable. The only other place I've seen such poor behavior was Turkey when they were trying to spit on us when I played my Italian team. See, filthy animals. I would be fighting somebody if they were spitting on me. I would run our test them into the stands. Yeah, and one of our middles almost did. Pasquale Gravino was about to climb into the stands. I can't. I'm not down. That's too disrespectful. You can say everything you want. That's going to be a little too disrespectful for me. Yeah. I don't care how many of you there are. Yeah. No, so that's the hatred level. Little fat Jeremy going into the stands. <laughs> I thought that was a burrito. <laughs> yes, if I had those, I'd be throwing those things, too. <laughs> that might calm people down. That would be awesome. Hey, I spent the weekend out in Palm Springs. How hot was it, Kevin? Oh. Are we leaving Reed on hold? or we Yeah, no, he's just, no, he's okay, just listening in. Okay. Hi, Reed. How, how hot was it? How hot was it, Kevin? <laughs> I was sitting in the shade by the pool, and a couple of times I thought, man, my feet are just roasting. Are they in the sun? I looked down, no, solidly in the shade, but still on fire. It was 110, 111 on Saturday. That's Sunday. That's hot. When I left yesterday, driving out before 11 a.m., 10.45 in the morning. 101. 104. Wow. It's hot, Kevin. You couldn't sit in the sun. No. At one point, the wife moved over to sit in the sun. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, I just I want to heat up a little bit. Didn't last 10 I minutes. I was say, oh, yeah. Did not last 10 minutes. Are you even allowed in the sun? Like, were you hey, like, hey, hey, self-combust? Hey, hey. How long were you in Palm Springs? The whole weekend? Are you Friday, any, afternoon, Friday afternoon. Are you any tanner than you were before you left? Yeah. Do you got some? I have, I have pleasant highlights in my hair. Okay. Blonde highlights. I should have been spraying lemon juice in my hair all weekend. I have nothing. I have no comment for that. Look good with highlights. Yeah. Continue your story. It's 135. 135 degrees. Hotter than the surface of the sun. So we're hanging out. We, we show up to the Hard Rock in Palm Springs. Which used to be another hotel. Up yeah. until a year ago. Hotel Sozo. Correct. Yep. A couple of odd things. First of all, we show up and there is a tattoo convention happening inside the Hard Rock this how, weekend. How come I was unaware? I don't know. Mr. Three-Quarter Sleeve. Yeah, no doubt. You should have been there. Posted in big signs out front is no cuts or colors, no exception. Nice. 
that you can't roll up with your uh, biker gang gear on. Correct. You cannot have your Mongols California jacket, your cut. You cannot have your Crips or Bloods or MS-13 or whatever colors on display while at this event. Yeah. Lots of security. The lobby looks cool. Yep, they did a good job with that. They did a nice job. Did you play pool? Pool? Was there no. a pool table? Might have been off the side. I did okay. not, not see a pool table. They have a DJ. Yep. Runs from like 6 o'clock to one thirty or something. In the lobby, right? In the lobby. Yep. Yeah. They have a DJ out at the pool all day. Yep. Till like 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool scene. Mm-hmm. But you can tell it's a redo. Yeah. They just kind of painted it and threw their name on it. Lipstick on a pig. Mm-hmm. In the rooms. The rooms, the showers hardly work. The like thing is all shaky and doesn't quite turn on or off. You can't get a cool shower. It's mostly scalding hot water. <laughs> the lampshades, you can pull the lampshades right off. They're not even screwed on. Lovely. And the TV, SDTV is not acceptable anymore in what should be considered a nice hotel. You were making the point earlier, if I can go to Motel 6 and get better TV, you've got an issue. Yeah. Those are just some of the problems. You could tell they painted over some parts of the hotel you know, with the purple and black yeah. and stuff to make, make it, it look their different. Yep. And it's okay. The pool is anywhere between three feet and three foot six deep. And it's not very big either. Like no, you think it's Vegas small. Pools, it's, yeah, it's not very big. Very small. Mm-hmm. But three foot six, for a guy like me... I was going to say, like, what you got up to your knees, maybe? I can't sit down. Your cankles got wet. I, if I sit on my knees, it's about right. If I stand up, I look ridiculous. <laughs> look like you're in a kid's pool. Half my suit's out the water. I may as well be in the backyard in a blow-up. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, the visual I got is fantastic. So, that's a problem. The service was horrendous. Nah, that's tough. The service at the pool was freaking horrendous. I had to go hunt down a waitress. That's never good. Once she did bring our stuff, which, by the way, was warm beer the first day. Ooh. She well, probably never by the time came it, back to even close out the At 111, by the time it leaves the fridge and 30 seconds later gets to at the pool, it's already uh, The mountains up. are not blue yeah, anymore. Exactly. The exactly. <laughs> the second day, ordered a drink. It took more than 15 minutes to get a drink, and it wasn't that crowded. Yeah. Like, really, guys? Come on. You need to be better at this. So they've got some things to work on. Some things to work on, apparently. But it had a great weekend away with the wife. That was fun. That's good. That's what matters, Kevin. Hot weather was nice. Food was good. Went to LG's Steakhouse Friday night. Nice. Solid. Went to Lolo's California Cuisine on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Also good. And wandered around Palm Springs a little bit. I should have told you to go to Cheeky's for breakfast. Cheeky's. So good. Like uh, C-H-E-E-K-S? Yes. Or K-I-E-S? K-Y. K-E-Y? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next time. Yep. So that's my report on the Hard Rock Palm Springs. Give it some time. Maybe it will percolate. Into a little bit better. I don't think it's been open a full year yet. Uh, it may not be. And and if you go to P2, that's the parking Park. level two. two. Yeah. In the elevator, which, by the way, slowest elevators on the freaking planet. You can't even get up and down in the hotel. And if you get in the stairwell, which I did looking for ice. This, these are some of the little things, right? Yeah. In the morning, looking for ice. Third floor that I'm on, three floors. Third floor. No ice. Forget no ice. No ice machine. Okay. Not even in the room. Yeah. Reno- they're renovating yeah, 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 it or yeah. something. Second level, ice machine. No ice. Ooh. Not even running. First level, ice machine. No ice. Not even running. Ridiculous. I take the stairs. Locked out of the hotel. 
locked out of the hotel. Worse yet, put on the corner of the hotel in a small box. Like, you're in a landscaping box. I'm just stuck there. I'm like, where do I go from here? And I'm just visualizing you in your Hard Rock Hotel robe that isn't made for somebody who's your height and it's like barely at your thighs. That's how, I don't know if that's that would have been funny. I don't know if that's what you're wearing, but that's what I'm visualizing right now. Didn't have robes. Okay. Should have been wearing like some funny Christmas boxers that my sons gave me. <laughs> so, so I walk from the little box I end up in. I walk to the edge of the property, and I'm like, "You got to be kidding me! I got to walk around the entire hotel." So I go to walk down one side. I get to a point where there are several doors, none of which open with my key that I have, Lovely. my key card. Yeah. And I am above the, the driveway into the garage, 15-foot drop. I can either jump down there or go back the other way. So I walk completely around the other side of the hotel. Meanwhile, your wife's like, where is the ice? Exactly. I walk around. I finally find a door that I can come in, like a back entrance. Yeah. But it's ridiculous. Yeah. Little things, Kevin. Little things. Yep. But if you go down to P2, if you go into the, the lobby and punch P2, you will come out in the zombie apocalypse. The doors open, and there is everything from the old hotel. Mattresses, bedside tables, ferns. Ferns. Stuff just thrown into a pile in the parking garage. I showed you the picture. Yeah. It's crazy looking. Yeah. I've never seen that except in Argentina. It's like a bomb shelter. Yeah. With just things thrown around. No, it looks like they were setting up to do a shoot where they'd been at a hospital or a hotel that had been ransacked in the, in the apocalypse. Some post-apocalyptic thriller. You could film it right there on P2 at the Hard Rock in Palm Springs. I don't know why that's okay. Sounds like you had a fantastic time. Oh, I had a great time. But it's because my wife's awesome. All right, let's take a break. Come on the Net Live. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of volleyball to come up for you here. Jeff Conover coming up next after writing his latest novel, Milwaukee, a success. See. We also have audio from, from Nick Lucena. We'll have it from Phil Dalhauser and the one Rosie. John Rosenthal? Superman. Mm-hmm. Sean Rosenthal, as well as Jared Elliott, Kyle Robinson, Deidre Collins, and Mike Seeley, all coming up here on the Net Live. Thanks for being here, Kevin and Jeremy, on a Monday in SoCal, awaiting the tropical rainstorm. I met you in the summer With my heart beat down We fell in love As the leaves turned brown And we could be together, baby As long as skies are blue You act so innocent now But you like so soon When I met you in the summer I met you in the summer
and I met you in the summer. Whoa, little remix action here. Yeah, Jeff liked that song when I played in Milwaukee, so I played it for him again. Hopefully he's rocking out in the office right now. Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. Appreciate their support as well as that of the ABCA. I want to thank 6-8 Clothing Company. It is a brand new men's apparel company in Seattle, Washington. This is for the tall man, 6-6 and above, tall and athletic. They understand the challenges you face trying to find jeans that are from the current fashion era. They understand what it's like to wear a giant fat shirt because you're just looking for a little more length, something that's going to fit you well. 6-8 Clothing Company has you covered. They've got your back, all 39 inches of it. If you know somebody who is 6-6 or above, check out 6-8ClothingCompany.com. You can also find them on Amazon. 6-8ClothingCompany.com is with the number 8. And if you put in TNL10, it'll get you 10% off. They run all kinds of promotions. They are a really cool company. They have some other cool T-shirt offerings, underlayers, V-neck stuff that I wear routinely in addition to the jeans. You've seen 6-8 Clothing Company all over volleyball. Reward them for loving your sports. All right. You have some uh, music for this guy? Much like Bill Kind of spacey. Yeah. This man played his volleyball at Grossmont Junior College. I love junior college players, Jeremy, since I am one of them. He then went to CSUN for two years, ending in 2005, and immediately became a coach. Coached at CSUN. Coached the New Zealand National Beach Team. Became a silver medal coach with April and Jen in 2012. We love silver medals here on the Net Live. And now... He answers dumb questions all day long with the phrase, look at the board. He is the director of sports and competition for the AVP, a new role for Jeff Conover. And we are pleased to have him here on the net live. Jeff. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Uh, That intro makes me sound way cooler than I really am. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're trying to do here, Jeff. We're trying to build you up. Hey, uh, I was looking at your bio and stuff, and I noticed that you started coaching the year after you finished playing. How odd was it, or what were some of the challenges with coaching players you had been a teammate with the year before? Yeah, that was, uh, it was an interesting time for me. Um, it was right after I finished playing. I tried my hand at beach a little bit and quickly realized that I was not going to go anywhere, so... Uh, my coach from college called me up and said, hey, we, we need an assistant. And um, it was either that or going home to work work for my dad and his accounting firm. So it was kind of an easy decision at that point. And, um, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was challenging a little bit because I played with half of those guys. So the good thing is most of them had respect for me. I was a little older having gone to JC uh, for two years. So... It was definitely challenging, but um, for the most part, it worked out all right. Now, you were a setter. Why choose junior college as a route? I think it's a, a route that a lot of people aren't really aware is a, is a good one to go if either your grades aren't there or your volleyball isn't there at the time. Why did you end up at Grossmont? Well, you're going to love this, Kevin. Um, I went to I, – I was born and raised in San Diego, and I signed out of high school with San Diego State. And um, 
for me, that was, you know, a slam dunk, easy decision. And then two weeks into practice, um, you know, they cut the program due to Title IX. And so at that point, I was kind of deciding if I wanted to continue playing or not. And um, it turned out I did. And Grossmont was a nice fit for me because Fred Featherstone was the coach and I played for him for a year at Seaside. And, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what took me to Grossmont. And I also had a few buddies that I grew up with that were also playing at Grossmont. So it was a real easy transition to keep playing and stay in school. And then um, from, from Grossmont, um, you know, I got looked at by a few D1 schools. And that's kind of how I ended up in the Valley. never thought I'd end up in L.A., let alone the Valley. So uh, that's kind of the route that I took. Nice, playing for the feather. Love the feather. He's a good dude. All right, so... Yeah, I had, I had a good relationship with him, so it wasn't terrible for the most part. So you become an assistant coach for CSUN, and you're doing indoors. Maybe you're on a route for a men's job. Maybe you're on the route for moving to the, the women's side of the game. But you end up somehow New Zealand national beach coach, and, and I wonder how this happens because hobbits aren't any good at volleyball. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the guys that I coached from New Zealand weren't very tall, um, but they were damn good volleyball players. Uh, yeah, I was coaching at Northridge, and then uh, Marcio Sicoli and I were both up for the job at Pepperdine for the women. And yeah. um, and then I lost out on that job, but he and I continued to work together coaching uh, the Belgium beach team, um, Van Breedem and Muha, who, who played in the, what was that, 2008 Olympics. Um and so that's, that was kind of my intro into beach, and then I started coaching a few AVP teams after that, and then that's how I got linked up um, with Jen and April. And then uh, during my time on the world tour with them, I linked up with the Kiwis. And, and kind of, so that was how, how I uh, got introduced to their program. How fun was that, being a part of that team? I, they, those guys, everyone I've ever met from that island has kind of a, a cool vibe about them. Did, did you find that to be the case? How much time did you spend down there? Yeah, they're amazing people. Um, they work extremely hard. Their culture is, is really fun and carefree, and my personality fit in, you know, so easily with that. And um, I think that's that was kind of the appeal for them picking me up. Um, I had only gone down there for a month, um, you know, during December, during their summer. So I didn't get to spend as much time as I wanted, um, you know, going to the South Island and doing some of the more touristy things. I stayed in the north, and we did our training block. Um, but, yeah, I, I would love to go back. They've actually asked me back this winter to run a camp uh, with some of the other international coaches. Um, so I'm hoping to get back there and do that. Do you have to uh, carry a picture of Huma Kutchen with you at all times? Do you have to kiss? <laughs> what, what sort of ceremonies do they hold for Hugh down there in New Zealand? It, it has to be present at every volleyball event. Yeah, he. First of all, I carry a picture of him anyway. I think he's an amazing coach, but um, he is a, he's a god down there, and uh, more than just a great volleyball coach, he's, he's a really really nice person, and um, he's he's still a legend. It's just funny that all the pictures of him down there, he has hair. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, yeah. uh, you did coach Jan and April to a silver medal in 2012. I wonder, in that gold medal match against Misty and Kerry, do you think anything could have been done differently in that match? Do you ever replay it from a coach's perspective in your mind? Do you ever think about that match? Yeah, I think about it probably uh, once a week still. 
Um, and, and people bring it up all the time still too. And, um, I think probably we, we may have served the wrong person a little too much. Um, it was just hard to game plan because we had played them probably four or five times in the month or two leading up to the Olympics. And we had a ton of success playing them and serving Misty. And so it was hard to deviate from that game plan, you know, in the gold medal match, having had that success, but, uh, you know, hindsight 2020, I think we may have, we should have gone to carry and made her earn an entire match diving out. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, all right. So Jeff, you guys go to the silver medal in 2012. Of course, here on the net live, we celebrate that multiple congratulations on that at the time. And of course, always, but yeah. now here we are a couple of years later, you find yourself working for the AVP as the director of sports and competition why the change in career path here a bit? Yeah, um, you know, my time with Jen in April had ended. Um, Kessie took time to uh, start a family, and April was moving on to play with Carrie. Um, so I was kind of in limbo myself on, you know, was I going to continue to coach beach? Was I going to go back indoor? And, um, you know, hanging out with um, Al at Olympics, um, in London, we started to talk more and more about, you know, the possible new AVP coming in, and I had a chance to meet the owner, Donald, um, at the USA House in London, um, and we chatted a little bit, and, and they basically, you know, told me in a few follow-up meetings that they needed somebody to take on this role. Um, they wanted someone who not only wrote on the board, but also took more of a vested interest in the day-to-day aspect of the competition phases, um, you know, how to integrate um, a pipeline for a development program, things like that. Um, they, they just kind of needed someone on the real-world application of the, of the volleyball competitions, not just the strategy. And having been in the USA program and uh, the ABP program in the past and coaching and whatnot, the contacts and everything that I've established and, um, you know, strategies throughout those years kind of made me a good fit for this position. So that's kind of how it all worked out. Um and, and right now, it's it's been great so far. What have been some of the unique challenges you've in, encountered different from coaching? Uh, well, coaching on the beach was pretty simple in that I only had to deal with two or three people at all times. Uh-oh. Jeff, we're losing you. Are you there? We went into the void. He went into a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see if we can get Jeff back here in just a second. Uh, yeah, interesting he says that about having to deal with only two or three people. On a, on a beach team, it becomes a very small world. Even on an indoor team, you have 12 to 15 players. Correct. 20 players in the team yeah, yeah. in most cases. Yep. Plus a bevy of assistant coaches and assistant personnel and other folks. You're talking about a very intimate thing. We've discussed that before here on this show, but we've never kind of related it to the coach as well. Once you bring in a coach, now it's a threesome. Correct. And you have that same kind of intimacy with three people traveling on the road all the time, having to make those arrangements, and and spending so many hours together. It's really got to work on an interpersonal level. And now as the tournament director, you get to deal with everybody. Oh, boy. And I mean everybody. And when in the... 
the uh, intro for him where you said people coming up and asking stupid questions and his answer is, look at the board. It's literally like <laughs> my DJ booth is right next to him now attached to the board and he'll be standing like next to me or whatever. People are like, oh, when is so-and-so coming up next? And it's literally like you just point your arm to the right and there's a huge, ginormous board with everybody's names on it, times, and all that stuff. My favorite question that we got in Milwaukee was, what does ST stand for next to what court they were playing on? Right. Yeah. Stadium. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's admittedly, every time a person asked that and we answered it, they were like, oh, yeah, I'm an idiot. Like, they realized, like, that was a dumb question. I apologize. But those are the kinds of things that happen. How about if somebody walks up and they're like, is this a beach volleyball tournament? <laughs> nope. No, it's not. That's like somebody who would read our shirts when we were traveling. You guys play volleyball team. You guys basketball players? Nice. What'd you just read? You just read it out loud. Just, does that look like a basketball? <laughs> Always to tell me with that Ugh. question. The inevitable answer was nope. Chess. Later. Apparently Jeff is on the 405 night moving because he's still in the dead spot so we haven't heard back from him. But Jeff. It's all right. He's on his way to a meeting. We know that. He's on his way to a, a meeting with the powers that be. Powers that be. IMG still involved. Yes. James Lights. We ever see him anymore? Saw him in St. Petersburg. Okay. Yeah, got his team together, so they go to the events. We've only had two events so far. Um, James has been getting ready for the U.S. Open of Surf, which I believe starts in a week or two. Yeah, his premium, premium He's premium got a lot going event. on. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, you know, I didn't know that about Jeff, that he was part of the death of SDSU. Yeah, all his fault. <laughs> well, yeah. Signed for, you know, got a ride out of high school. Sorry, program's over. Program goes for 20-plus years. They signed Jeff Conover. Done. Done. Yeah. It's like Casey Patterson booming the show or booming on the airline. On the airline, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's, God, that's a tough spot to be in. Remember Reed Pretty going through that at Loyola Marymount. Mm-hmm. Being there. He was more established in the program, at least. Tough if you're a high school player coming out, pick your college, you go to your college, that gets destroyed. It's not as though you have a college rep at that point. Reed Pretty had played. Yeah, correct. Had Reed pretty had more eligibility and needed somewhere to go, someone else would have picked him up. For sure. Someone else would have said, yeah, that's a good athlete. We'll, we'll recruit him out of the dead program. Yeah. Tough if you're Jeff, you have no rep in college at all, and your program all of a sudden is pulled out from under you. Yeah, now what I do? So he went, to your, he went your route, junior college. Good route, by the way. Yeah. Good route. Not enough people know about that route, I don't think. Well, I think as an athlete, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know some kids who come out of high school, like maybe I don't have enough money to go to a state school yet or a private school. And they're like, that's a cheaper way, especially like if you're from this area, you go to Santa Monica Community College where like each credit costs you Used to be 13 bucks. Yeah, now I think it's whatever. Like 20 Yeah, whatever. It's cheap. Still cheaper. Um, oh, Jeff's back. Yeah, junior college is a good route. Hi, Jeff. Yeah. Hey guys, sorry about that. Um, I'm at a meeting in LA and I had to go to an underground parking structure and it cut out. All right, so we were asking you about dealing with a variety of people. You said one of the challenges was dealing with so many different people rather than just three people. Yeah, so now I'm I'm kind of the general correspondent for all the players um, and that database is, you know, hundreds and thousands of players now. So that's one of the big challenges is having to answer a lot of the same questions over and over and, uh, and, you know, trying to answer as many questions as possible that I'm actually privy to all the information. So dealing with that is, is uh, a little different for me having that big responsibility, but, um, 
other than that, you know, the office environment at the AVP is really nice, and, and uh, the people work really hard, and, and I really enjoy the, the place where I work. How different are the concerns for different levels of players? Top players, medium, kids just trying to come on. Medium players? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's extremely different. Um, you know, for lack of a better word, there are complaints on all levels, um, and the people just trying to come up want to know exactly kind of why some of the business things are happening. Um, there's some people that want to know exactly what they can do to, to move up in their careers, which is a really general statement, especially over email. And then, um, you know, the top-level players just have little training questions about, you know, procedures and logistical things. So it's it's really a full-time job just manning the email account of uh, of all the players. What was it about Milwaukee? We've been hearing what a success it was from all sides. What was it about Milwaukee that made it a great tournament? The fans. Um, we have, you know, this new AVP, we have three-day main draws. Um, so it's different in the past where everybody just comes out Saturday and then and then everybody comes back on Sunday. Now we have three days with Friday, and, and we've never really had a kind of a full Friday where – you know, the three outside courts are completely full, and then everyone's also packed into the stadium. In Milwaukee, it was three days fully packed, fans fully engaged, um, you know, lining the courts, heckling, cheering. Uh, it, it was just a huge success in terms of, um, you know, on-site engagement. All right, we'll give you one more question. I know you've got a meeting to go to, but we spend a lot of time talking about FIVB. We talk about AVP and the rebirth of the AVP. What, yep. from your FIVB experience, being a part of all those tournaments, have you mm-hmm. tried to bring back or do you think needs to be brought back yet to the domestic side of things here in the United States? You know, it, for me, just being at the, all the FIVBs, um, it's a really, really well-oiled machine. Um, logistically, you know, they have set match times and they have, uh, you know, correspondence that goes out months in advance. And it's, it's just different from old um, AVP regimes and other tours where it's kind of, you know, weekend warrior where we show up and then you kind of get told this and then you kind of hang around and whatnot. I'm trying to bring in more of the, um, you know, real good structure to where people have all the information months in advance to where we have set match time for players, for fans, for sponsors, um, you know, just trying to, trying to bring in more of those aspects to make it legit and professional. Awesome. Jeff Conover is a silver medal winning coach in the 2012 Olympics, current sports and competition director for the AVP. Looking forward to your next event. We know Milwaukee was great. Look forward to a, more good reports throughout the summer and in the coming years. Jeff, thanks for taking some time to spend with us here on the show. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'd love to come back on. Sorry I had to cut it short today, so uh, if there's ever a chance for me to come back and talk more, I'd love to. Right on. We'll, we'll have you happen. back for sure. Yep. All right. Have a good meeting. All right. Meeting. Thanks, guys. See you All Jeff. right. Bye. Jeff, kind of checking out. Uh, yeah, good stuff from Jeff there, and, and important. He's talking about delivery, and that's something that – USA Volleyball and the things they've tried to change over the years. Mm-hmm. At any point, if you want to change the direction of the ship, we've mentioned this before, but anytime you want to change the direction of your organization, there are going to be complaints about the change of direction. There are going Always. to be complaints that you're not doing everything yet that you're supposed to be doing. The problem is you have to go in the right direction. 
what I'm hearing now this year, we're, what, four years removed from the collapse of the AVP? Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing this year about the AVP increasingly, and we'll see if this continues, mm-hmm. but I like this, is that they're going a good direction. We still have questions about sustainability. Correct. But the direction of the organization, I would give them a, a, a big positive right now. And I think, and when Jeff says, like, players have complaints, and I depends on how you use that term. I mean, players are always going to complain about something, obviously, but not it's not um, it's not as negative as some people make that connotation, like, oh, I have a complaint about something. It's like, Concerned. oh, what court am I on? Shouldn't I have been here? Shouldn't I have played on this court earlier than later? Like, little things like that. Concerns might be a better way to put it. Correct. Yeah. But, you know, talking to the players that I've talked to the last few years, too, they are all a lot more optimistic about the ABP than they have been in the past, that's for sure. Still a problem that you can't support enough people in the sport. True, but... National teams will change it a little bit, but... Yeah, but don't you... Everybody wants it to be 90 again, but it can't be that overnight. You have to build that back up, don't you? So even though it is smaller, there's less courts, it's a smaller well, main again, draw. Yeah, you got to go to that direction. And again, and I keep saying this, Volleyball started over again, Yeah. for the most part. Like it's, think of it almost as a brand-new sport. It started over again. So no sport that starts from the ground up, other than you already having the name. That's really all Donald got when he got the AVP was the name and the archive footage. No bleachers? <laughs> what no about bleachers. those bleachers we heard about? Well, we don't need 10,000 stadium bleachers. Um, this sport started over. You yeah. know, and if... Hopefully the fans, when we get to Southern California again this year, they'll come back out again and realize that things are going in the right direction. I hope so. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be a good test. Yep. But, uh, good stuff out of the AVP for the moment. We had a good Spike Town question this week, didn't we? Remember, you want, you want to visit SpikeTown.com? You want to go and visit Spike Town because if you're a volleyball fan, that's the place to be. It's Spike. There's Spike Town Volleyball Club. No, Spike-Town.com. Spike-Town. i got to make sure I put Come on, bro. Sorry, my bad. I just have it bookmarked. I don't have to, like, look it up. On on this computer, it's different. Yeah, it's started by Matt Gardhoff, one of our favorite people in the world. In the world. In the world. And you need to check it out. He's archiving and consolidating a whole bunch of different information. So right now it says Beast Mode on there, Mm -hmm. Dahlhauser and Rosenthal winning. Go 7-0 in Stad, Stad. And they have stuff about Brazil beaters, about the United States playing Brazil, the USA women. They have a bunch of good articles on here. They have information from our show about World League Finals, all those kinds of things. So there's lots of good stuff on spike-town.com. Make sure you go there and check it out. And if you're a volleyball fan, right at the top of spike-town.com, you will find July 22 to the 27th. That's coming up here. It's like a Wiki. little over a week. Yep, coming up this week. This next week, uh, you will be free general admission to Long Beach, California once again. Fantastic event last year. Come and listen to Jeremy's music. Come and be a part of the ASICS World Series of Beach Volleyball. Come cheer for the U.S. flag. I will be there during the week, Jeremy. Nice, you'll come. Will you go to wear shoes again? I did not wear shoes last year. Did I? I think you did. No, I did not wear shoes. I had flip-flops. Are you sure? Yes. I'm not 100% positive on that. And that, neither are you. That's correct. I'm not <laughs> <positive>. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I cannot confirm or yeah. deny. 
You I will are, be in flip-flops this yeah, year. Okay. I'll be in flip-flops. And my hair will look really good. But I will be on Saturday and Sunday in San Diego. Okay, that's fine. All out. Comic-Con. No. Drink. We're going to Comic-Con. Drink. Yeah. Before we get to your Comic-Con, back to SpikeCon real quick. Yeah. Uh, they hit us up on Twitter over the weekend. And hey, I good question. Yeah, very interesting topic, which it, Nicole and I discussed for about 15 minutes in the car as we were driving after I saw the tweet. Okay. But Spike Town said, putting aside all the reasons it won't happen. Yeah, suspend disbelief, Yeah, yeah, please. suspend disbelief. Would side-out scoring be a better measure of teams on pro volleyball tours? My, my well, the Net Lives response back was, are we talking big court or small court? Because that would change my answer. Because we've never had... Regular scoring or old-style scoring. Never had side-out scoring on, on small, court. small court, correct. Yeah. Um, so we're going to keep it at small court, side-out scoring. Would that change the level? Because they said... Uh, or would that be a more accurate reflection? Reflection of the teams. Because they're saying they see so many 15-13s, 22-20s, guys winning one week and 17th the next. Feels random, is what Spike Town said. I thought about this a lot, Kevin. And you were contemplating it as we speak. I thought about it a bit over the weekend, but not too much. I don't think it would change the top teams. I think the top teams would smash the other teams more. Because here's what the top teams aren't going to do. They're not going to make that many mistakes. So even if they do, when they do now make a mistake, the other team gets a point. They wouldn't necessarily do that inside-out scoring. Yeah, you can make a lot of mistakes and not give away points. Correct. Like, you can go, guys are going to go back and absolutely, and girls to rip their jump serve, especially if they're up four or five points, and it doesn't matter. They're just going to go back and unleash on those things. There's no penalty at all. Correct. You just lose the serve. And I also think my, the reason why I asked about the big court and small court, because if you went big court, you're going to isolate some of the big guys who aren't maybe as athletic and cannot cover as much of the big court. The assumption here is that there are teams winning matches that would not otherwise win matches. Correct, or keeping it really close. But I still think, like, if you look at the women's side, especially domestically, you have the same teams in the top four almost every single week. Yeah, but is that because the talent level of the women is so different? Yeah, but isn't that what we're talking about? Like, if it was... Or if it was um, side-out scoring, would that would those results be different? But see, on the men's side, everybody's very close. There are more players that are in that that echelon, I think. And maybe it's because of the way the game is played. Correct. But the game is a power game. There's a lot more variability in power mm-hmm. than there is in the control and the technical uh purest side that the women have. Correct. If you watch, the women get so many more contacts on the ball that there's a lot more chance for error in those number of contacts. The men, half the contacts you get as a defender are virtually worthless. Like, it's amazing to come up with a play. If Not as many rallies on the men's side, that's for sure. Because the ball is traveling so fast, even if I hit the ball directly at you, the odds of you digging it are pretty small compared to a female player hitting it at another player. The odds of digging that ball are much higher okay. on a full contact attack. Okay. Right? So 
Yeah, I'm not sure. It would probably it would probably lengthen out a little bit. I don't think teams are winning matches on a regular basis that are just random. No, I, think I mean, the, you're I always think the talent on the men's side. You're is, always going to have upsets from time to time, and there are some close scores. But in um, like Hayden and Bourne that won in Milwaukee to the semis, they had to beat Casey Patterson and Jeremy Casebeer fifteen. I think it was fifteen thirteen in the third. And wait, Jeremy, not Patterson. Um, Jennings. Jennings. I, I apologize. Um, and Jeremy and Casey had, you know, I think Casey had a swing for match at one point, or it was like to go up to get the match. Like it was right there. But then Heidenborn won, and then went on to win the tournament. You know, so it's not like they're still a good team. And if it was rally scoring, I still think those games would be close. See, I think that's more a reflection of the ability of men's players to get into that that talent pool. Okay. And it's because of the structure of the game. Occasionally, a team can jump up in there because they're playing. They're playing better than they normally do, and they can kind of stay in that upper group. Let's say there's a, a group of five teams at the top, right? Yeah. Occasionally, the number ten team can play into the number five zone because of the structure of the men's game, because yeah. it's a power-based game. You can make a few plays, and that's the difference. The ball can bounce your way a few times, and that's the difference between tenth and fifth. Where I think in the women's game because there's so many more contacts and so much, there's a lot more technical prowess required of the women mm-hmm. on a regular basis through points and through matches. I think you much, rare, you much more rarely see a team jump from 17th to 1st or 5th to 25th or whatever. And I don't know if the stats bear that out. That would be an interesting stats investigation yeah. to say... We, with our FIVB team, mm-hmm. the average finish of the third team. Yeah. Or just look at the average finishes and look at the variability of that finish. Well, I think internationally you have a lot more younger teams that are beating the old guard. Because like, they play really well for two days and then yeah. can't sustain it the next week. Correctly. Um, and I think some of that's just a learning proce- process for them. Some of it is like our American teams that had to get on a plane from Milwaukee and fly X amount of hours, and now it's freezing, and they're up in the mountains, and it's raining. A lot of variability. You know, you have that going on as well, too. Um, I think you see a lot more variety on the international tour of teams winning and losing than you do domestically. There's more talent, first of all. Uh, Absolutely. I think the factors you just mentioned are are also at play. I think there are huge factors. Um, I mean, Casey and Jake, Casey Patterson, Jake Gibb, haven't had the best run the last few international tournaments. And then you have Hayden Bourne, who went through the qualifier to win. And then this last weekend, you have Nick and Ryan finishing third and Phil and Rosie finishing first. That's back-to-back wins internationally for Phil and Rosie. Yeah, I, I think there are so many factors. I don't think the scoring... I just think if you went... Is creating that. Correct. I think if you went to side-out scoring, A, I'd be bored out of my mind. <laughs> But B, good teams are good teams, especially on the small court. Like if you went to, again, if you went to big court, a little bit of a different story. Smaller teams could win more because you have more court to play with and you can avoid Phil's 36-inch reach across the net. A and they bit, did. A little bit more often than, but that doesn't mean Phil's going to lose on the big court. Just saying you're going to get those guys a little bit better of a chance. But small court, side out scoring, I still think the top teams are Currently, will would be the top teams that way as well. 
Yeah, you could maybe get to Phil more on serve-receive because you could, you could hit the ball around further. You could hit the ball at him harder. Yeah, you're going to go after it on your serve for sure. Yeah, because Phil's never – what era? I don't think Phil ever played in the other era. No, but Phil would be fine in the other era. No, he'd be, he'd be good. So would Jake. So would Casey. Right. It's just a different game. You say, sure. well, the blocking isn't as dominant, and the big guys would have to pass more, so it would separate those that can really pass. Yes, those that can, and it would offer room for, like, an Adam Johnson-Brian Lewis combination. Remember? Yeah. Well, you, you could put two small guys together back Fennoy in the day. Fanoi and Dane, Fanoi and Dax. Yeah, those are not big guys. Correct. Six, they're Compa- both 6'3". Comparably now. 6'4". Yeah, yeah. Now you have to have a big guy. Hayden mm-hmm. and Try. Scott oh, yeah. is probably the, the best example of maybe two mediums. But Scott plays bigger at the net than, Correct. than his height of 6'5". So, yeah, it's an interesting discussion. It's funny because it's almost like when you discuss basketball in the different eras or football in the different eras, but so much has changed, more has changed about volleyball. The three-pointer is basically the only difference. In basketball, yeah. In basketball. Yeah, well, athletes have changed, too. Like, you have people like LeBron who came out of high school at 6'8", 230. Well, that happens in every sport. Progression. Yeah, right. Athletes are going to get bigger, stronger. Faster. Yeah, yeah. The, the progression is is good in the athletes, and that's present in all of it. But what I'm saying is, in volleyball, we've changed in beach. Yeah. The size of the court. Yep. And the scoring system. Correct. So, in basketball, what if you made the court twice as big? In the basket. Put two baskets out yeah, there exactly. on, e- on on either end, right? Yeah. So now you have four baskets yeah. out there, <laughs> and you maybe allowed like eight guys out there. Yeah. Instead of five, and it, you're making wholesale changes to the game, and that's what's happened here with volleyball. Yeah. I, I don't want to go back to big court, regular score, we're here forever. The old guys, oh, these new athletes, they can't do it. We used to grind it out back in the day, 22 matches and this and that. Oh, God. You know why they changed it? So it'd be more entertaining. Because it was boring. Yes. You couldn't be there all day. Oh, it was a beach party and this and that. Yeah, it was very cool at the time, no doubt. Very cool at the time. But that doesn't work today. It, it doesn't. And again, I make the argument, too, you're not selling the lifestyle of the sport anymore. Nobody's living that lifestyle really anymore. It, if I show up or you show up, meaningless. Correct. It's will the random person shows up. That's what makes it big. People that watch... Football religiously attend games, go to parties, go to the bar to watch games. They go to a special Eagle bar like the Shack, you know, up in Santa Monica. People that do that, many of them have never played football or played peewees and we're done. Or played junior high and we're done. Or at the the very most, played high school and we're done. Or we're on the team but never played. There is very little participation in that sport for the Fan base. Yeah. Volleyball has the reverse. The only people who show up are volleyball people. Are volleyball people. Correct. But you have to do something to attract other people. That's where I think you could tweak the scoring even more and have it make more sense if it wasn't resets and games and whatever. But that's a discussion we've had, and who cares? And let's not call it sets either, but whatever. Whatever. But a very interesting topic brought up by Spike Town. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. I... I think it has differing effects to sum it up. I think it has, for me, it has differing effects in the women's game and the men's game. Cause I think they're fundamentally different games. Women's games get more, I mean, look at Karen April. Like that is a really physical team. How many of those teams are there? They're Not that many, physical but physical as Karen April. But like when you watch women's indoor team, do you think 
indoors again a little bit more physical Absolutely. on the women's side? Absolutely. Yeah. But there's still only a few. I'm with you. That's what I'm saying. On the men's side, you could go 10 teams, 20 teams deep on the international scene Yeah. of teams that are basically the same. There are very tiny things that separate. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. On the women's side, you can only go about five deep. There are probably five teams that are exceptional in what they do. Yeah. And, I, and that's why I think if Spike Town wants to do this, somebody wants to take on this project, go back and look. Because Gardhoff needs another project. <laughs> somebody, somebody else can use this. Go back and look at the FIVB finishes in the last, say, three years. Keep it manageable. Look at the variation of finishes for the top five teams ranked at the end of the year. So take the, the top five at the end of the year. Yep. Right? And top five in 2012. Yep. What's their average finish on the women's side? Take the top five 2012 for men. Mm-hmm. What's their average finish? This is a BVB info thing. Yeah. What's their average finish throughout the year? Yeah. And, and how much variability is there in those teams? Do you have... Like, meaning, like, do they play a different style of game? No, meaning, meaning, do you have other teams showing up in that top oh, five? Gotcha. You're going to get, right, the, the average finish of these, the women's teams, I think is going to be higher than the average finish of the men's teams. Yeah. And I think that's a reflection of depth of talent. Because on the women's side, there are fewer very special athletes. There are fewer carries, Aprils. Talita, okay. other Brazilians that I can't name because they keep changing. But I think there are fewer of those kinds of athletes. Okay. But I don't know. Something to look at. That's just kind of my, my feel for it on the outside. And here's another thing that came up or that I thought about thinking about this. Do the fans care if um, the top teams – or, you know, if what Spike Town was suggesting that there's a lot of really close matches or maybe there's some upsets that wouldn't happen if it was side-out scoring, mm-hmm. do the fans care? It's actually better if there's more upsets. I agree. Parity is better. Mm-hmm. That's why you have in the NFL salary caps, in the NBA salary caps, yeah. those kinds of things. One of the Ish. yeah, one of the reasons that's thrown out there. I mean, So the owners can make more money. Well, right, but... Yeah, yeah. But the, the side effect of it, maybe, is parity is a good thing. The L.A. Rams going from pretty dumpy for 10 or 12 years, not L.A. Rams, the St. Louis Rams, St. Louis Rams yeah. to Super Bowl champs and contender for a couple of years because they made a couple of moves and all of a sudden they rise up. Yep. You, that, you want that if you're a league. Correct. It keeps the fans coming back each year going, this is our year. My team has... As your Falcon shirt you have on, you feel like your Falcons this year have a chance. My son's Falcons. Huh. Falcon. I'm an eagle guy. Well, it's a bird. You should know this by now. I do know this. I keep but it you're in wearing my... a Falcon shirt. So. Yeah. What is it? Uh, Orneothopy? Orne... What is the study of birds? <laughs> I forget what the study of birds is. I just figured you were just a bird fan, so whatever team was a bird. Somebody put the study of birds up there on the chat board, will you? Ornithologist? God, I'm close. But... Yeah, I think I think that's what keeps people interested. I think it's that is good. If you go to a tournament and you like, you're a big fan of Nick and Ryan. Yep. And you want to see them do well. Well, they just might. Ornithology, right? That's what you want to see. 
you want your team to do well. You want your team to have the possibility to win the tournament. Correct. The only thing that is perhaps more intriguing than that is when one team is winning all of the time. But that has a period of time where it starts out, it's amazing. You want to see it because it's amazing. Then it becomes boring. I don't want to go. Just Karch and Ken are going to win again. Who cares? No. Then it becomes history. Then you're back in. So it's got this... It's got that arc. Up and down, yeah. right? Then people watch because they go, can they do it again? Like when Ken Misty and Kerry went 100 and whatever. Eight. Nine. Nine. Eight. I think it's nine. I think it's nine, too. Can they win 100? Can they win their 100th match? That becomes intriguing. But well, from, from 35 to 70, you're like, eh, who cares? They're going to win again. Seen it, been there, done that. Yeah. yeah. Um, my question now, will Kerry catch Karch? What are the numbers? She's it's like one seventeen or something like that, and Karch is like one forty-five, something along those lines. Thirty. Are there enough tournaments for her to that's play? That's that's my question. Competition's better. Competition's better. She's had three kids. Yeah, age will would you think would be a factor at some point too? Eventually. Yeah. If she stays injury free. Mm-hmm. And if the AVP adds tournaments which they are wanting to do. Mm -hmm. I would go with yes. Pass Karch. She has to play. She's going to play a minimum of two more years right now. Through the next Olympics. Right. Again, assuming no injuries. Then, if you're carry and you're healthy, Mm -hmm. why not continue, play domestically, maybe occasionally overseas, but if you want to. Because you have that option. Yeah. So... Maybe she continues to play domestically, and if there are, say, 10 domestic tournaments, and Carrie is capable of winning half those, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. That's five a year. No, maybe not. Maybe it becomes... Because there used to be 20-something tournaments when Karch was around. Correct. And Karch and Kent won damn near everything. Correct. God, maybe not. Should get close. I think it's going to get really interesting. It's going to get close. Yeah. It's going to get really close. But I do think it's a matter of, are there enough tournaments? If this... All right, let's play the era thing with Spike Town. If Kerry was playing in the same era that Karch was doing it in, right, where... BBB Info, she has 118 career victories. Okay, Kerry 118. I think Karch is 145 or 6, right? I will confirm right now. Okay. Um, if Kerry played in the era of Karch... If they, if they had women. 148. 148, okay. Yeah. Um, so she is 30 back. 30. Yeah, she's 30. But how many t- she has a lot more tournaments this year. They won five of six already at one point this year. Could she win 10 a year for three more years? You know, if you divide it that way, I think she can. All right, I'm gonna, I'm going to write it down. Assuming she doesn't. I'm going to say yes. She can win 10 a year Interesting. for three years. I'm going to go with yes. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying it, I don't. She has to actually average 10.3. <laughs> yeah, 10.3, yeah. Um, okay, women didn't play. There was no women's professional tour when Karch and Kent were playing, right? There was here and there and whatever. There was a thousand acronyms that came and went at the mm-hmm. time. But if Kerry played in that time, if that time was now, where she had 27 opportunities... Oh, to win a tournament domestically. Yeah. Domestically, not even against international competition, just in the United States. Mm-hmm. 
I would say she catch her catch cards midway through next year. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, she, could she win 15 tournaments this year out of 27? I would go with yes. Yeah. She could. So, unfortunately for Carrie, the number of available opportunities to break that record is not working in her favor. Here's a question. Will she have one more gold medal than Karchi? Hmm. That is an interesting question, too. Hmm. So, Karchi has three. Carrie has three. Hmm. Would she then, should, should, if she won another gold medal, should she be considered the greatest U.S. player ever? And slide into second. <laughs> Get behind the K-tape. Oh, Get behind the physio tape. Well, that's... You can make a really good argument for that. Four gold medals. 130-something-odd victories at the time. Undefeated, well, undefeated in Olympic play. If they went undefeated, that would be pretty unbelievable. At this point, she's never lost a match. Never lost a match. I think they've Hardly only, lost a set. I think they've lost one or two at the most. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've already said that her, Carrie, and Misty are the greatest volleyball team on the beach of all time. No, I, I don't think it's a sorry. I mean, it's just how it is. Can I get a sorry, Karch? Oh, sorry. My hand's down on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Karch. Sorry, Karch. Uh, I, I think you can make a pretty good argument maybe now. And maybe they're tied now. Sorry, Karch. <laughs> I think maybe they're tied now. But Karch had a lot more opportunity for this, this tournament's victory, I think. Carrie has more beach medals than Karch does. Karch played forever. I don't know. It's a good argument. Guess 1700 says Carrie is the best beach player already. Yes, she has three golds on the beach. Karch only has one. How many Olympics did Karch play in on the beach? One. One. Yeah. So he's batting 1,000. <laughs> so she. As is Carrie. She's three for three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one for one, not as impressive as three for three. Although, Karch is three for three in total Olympics played. Yeah. Because he didn't play. In, he played in 96. He didn't play in 92. But it's because it didn't exist. Yeah, but his opportunity to play on beach. There Olympics. was no opportunity in 92. Yeah. So you could say it's a possibility he would have at that time, 92. Yeah, he'd have the gold medal if it was a beach event. Think so? <laughs> Karch and Kent, 92. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. So... So maybe there's the caveat right there. So Kerry hasn't had the, the tournament opportunities domestically that Karch had. Correct. Karch didn't have as many Olympic opportunities as Karch is missing an Olympic opportunity. It's hmm. a very interesting argument. Hmm. I think if if she gets close to Karch's domestic wins and or passes it, regardless whether she gets another medal or not, I think she gets that title. Then, then Kevin, I know your favorite topic, we get into who has done more for the sport. That has yet to be seen. Yeah. We'll talk about that after the next Olympics. Well, the question is, what does she leave behind? Yeah, and we don't know yet because she's still here. Yeah. Karch's era, not Karch personally, Karch's era left devastation. But it also brought more 
eyeballs to the sport at that time. They didn't stay. That is also true. The AVP was gone. Correct. Defunct. Your partner sued them. Kent. <laughs> the AVP was defunct. The national team was bankrupt. Not from, from that era. Yeah, not of we're not not Karcher's fault. Let me be clear on not, this one. No. Not saying that. We're saying the era of quote the greatest players ever, and we've had part of this discussion before. Correct. They didn't leave a lot behind. And is it their fault is a whole other discussion, but the plain fact of the matter is if you come to nineteen ninety seven, done. Yep. In all for all intents and purposes it is done. The indoor national team has to move to Colorado because they have no money. They can barely make payroll a couple of times throughout 97, 98, 99. Mm-hmm. That was the end of that run of 84, 88, 92. And then again, volleyball started over 96. again. 96. It was terrible. Yep. So that's a, that's a discussion. But here's, here's a question. Who would look better? My thighs. Carrie in the pink hat. Mm-hmm. Or Karch covered in physio tape. Covered in K active tape. Pink, or wearing pink, pink tape. Or, or wearing, wearing I thought you were gonna say he was wearing a bikini. That's where I thought you were going. Or wearing K active yoga pants. <laughs> nice. Karch in yoga pants. Or Carrie in the pink hat. I think Carrie Carrie could for sure pull off the pink hat. There's no doubt. She could pull it off. Bill up? Though for sure. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I like Carrie. But Bill up? Yeah. Why not? Nobody looks good with the bill up. That's not... That trend's starting to come back a little bit, Kevin. Jesper Parnovic is not a fashionista to be followed. I wouldn't go with the painter's paper hat with the bill flipped up, which is what Karcher's hat reminded That's me of. That's essentially what that is. Yeah. It is the Sherwin-Williams yeah. hat. Yeah. No, Kerry could pull it off. It's a bad look. Kerry could pull it off. But it would look more natural if Karcher's had KT tape on. <laughs> All right. Let's just be honest Let's it. take a break here on the net live. Okay. We're going to be right back with our Croatian call-in. Croatian call-in. New game show here on the NetLive. <laughs> Croatian call-in. Jared Elliott, Kyle Robinson, Deidre Collins, Mike Seeley, all for your pleasure here on the NetLive. Kevin and Jeremy holding down the home court. Right back. There's a maniac out in front of 
Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. Thanks to the ABCA, 68 Clothing Company, as well as Volleyball Magazine for their support of this show. And you, the listener, for listening live. Or if you're streaming it, you can pull it up with our player there on Volleyball Magazine. Or download it on iTunes. It is free. Look for the Net Live blog talk radio feed with a gigantic red-clad human peering over a small little fat Jeremy. Oh, no, a little in-shape Jeremy. little fat Jeremy. <laughs> Kevin Barnett and Jeremy Roche holding down the home court. And let's get to our, uh, our call-in, our new game show here. I love it. I'm not sure who to introduce here. I'm not sure even who's on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> we might get TK first. We might get Jared Elliott first. I'm going to say TK first. That's my guess. Kyle Robinson, Deidre Collins, Mike Seeley, all present in Croatia. A huge event happening in Croatia, big for indoor volleyball in the summer. You thought these coaches only worked a few months a year and then spent their time going to the beach. Well, no, it's not true. They're hoofing it all over Europe, working hard, training players, learning about the game, and I suspect having a few beverages together. Welcome back to the Net Live. Tim Kelly and the crew from Croatia. Who's on the phone here? It's, it's TK. Can you hear me? Yes, TK. Thanks for I'm uh, sitting here with everything. We're trying it on speakerphone. I just want to make sure you can hear everyone okay. Yeah, I can hear you pretty well. It's good. It'll work for our audio purposes. TK, give us, our listeners, an overview of how it is that you come to sit in a room of greatness the way you are right now. Oh, I mean, just I'm a really lucky guy, you know. Um, just to let you know, Jared's not here. His team ended up playing at 7.30 or 8.30 or whatever. So we got, I got Dietrich Collins here, who's coaching the Mountain West Conference All-Star Team. Um, they're the second conference ever to put an All-Star Team together. And they came over to train a little bit first and then joined the tournament. Um, with Debbie Green, who's coaching with a, kind of a new club, I don't, more of an All-Star Team, Team Augusta. Um, it's kind of something they're doing with AAUs. I'll let her explain that if you guys want. And then I got Kyle Robinson and Mike Seeley, who are both coaching the CNT together, which is the new college national team that USA Volleyball is running. And those girls were chosen from the USA tryout in February. So those are the four guests I have for you in the room. Awesome. Well, let me ask you one more question. I know that the Pac-12 put together an all-star team, and they've gone to China a couple of times here. Where did this idea come from to put together a conference all-star team? You said Deidre's now coaching the Mountain West Conference All-Stars. Where did this, this notion come from to put together an all-star team and put them out there in the summer? And how does that jive with NCAA rules? Well, I mean, the idea, we started talking about it five years ago or more, just trying to find more ways to get uh, teams of strong players where the funding can potentially come from their schools. Um, anytime you're building a team, the more money involved, the, the harder it is to get the best kids or the best possible team. So by, by choosing this route, we were just trying to find a way to solve that. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we pitched it to a bunch of conferences. The Pac-12 did it first because Larry Scott has his China initiative. Uh, that, that conference is really trying to focus on doing a lot of different things in China. And then the Mountain West just saw it as an opportunity. A lot of their coaches are, are big advocates of foreign travel and wanting to find ways for their kids to get overseas, and so they jumped on it. Um, you, there's some tricky things to get it NCAA compliant, but it is possible, and you know, the Big Ten used to do it with basketball teams back in the 80s and 90s, so there was some precedence on how to get it done. All right, well, let's jump to Deidre then, since we're talking about that Mountain West Conference all-star team, and for those that don't know, Deidre Collins is somebody that you, uh, you should know 
Two-time Collegiate Player of the Year at Hawaii in 83 and 84, an 88 Olympian, my on-screen partner for coaching accreditation courses for USAV. She's in her fifth year at San Diego State. She's just the fourth head coach in the history of that program. She came from UNLV before that, and Cornell, she's an ABCA Hall of Famer. Deidre, do these kids you're coaching know, know who you are? Do they have any idea who they're dealing with? Probably not, <laughs> but that's okay. Now I'm a coach. <laughs> hey, you have a lot of summer opportunities as a coach, a lot of different places you, you could be, camps and so on, something like this. How do you choose where to go? Well, TK set it up for, for us being at this tournament. I, whether I was coaching this team or whether I was coming to watch, I was coming either way because I had two young players on this team that I felt like this was an amazing opportunity for them to get some invaluable experience. So you want to follow your players, or, or what about growth for you as a coach? Well, every time you get a chance to coach and coach – kids at a higher level and coaching against um, great competition, it's an opportunity for me to learn. So, I, I mean, I think both. You know, obviously I want opportunities for my players. My two players that happen to be here are extremely young, so that was really important with a young team next year. Um, representing our conference and really getting a chance for our conference to get exposure is a lot of the reason that we want this as well, so that was a benefit. There were just many benefits to me doing this and being a part of this. And I've been here before with Tim, so um, there was a comfort in that as well. How do you guys go about putting together the roster for the All-Star team? Well, I think each of us uh, coaches kind of decided from our team who we wanted to put forward, and then um, Tim kind of gathered all that information with our conference uh, representative, Kerry Cole, and came up with a, a roster with four outsides, uh, right side of libero, you know, balanced it out so that it worked for each team to send players. I don't think every, not every team is represented, but um, about six of our teams, six of our, um, sorry, seven of our teams in our conference are represented. So it had to work out. Not every school has the same amount of ability to send players as well. Right. All right. And you mentioned raising the, the level of the conference or maybe the visibility of the Mountain West. I noticed that you guys are going to start your season in Hawaii uh, where you played. They're going to be against ASU, Hawaii, and Ohio. How important is it for you guys to get out and play against other big-time conferences, Pac-12 schools, Big West schools? It's huge. As everybody continues to talk about the RPI, uh, it's it's a lot about that, but it's more about us wanting to be a higher-level conference as a whole. As much as each of us individually want to do well, but the better competition we can play, the better we're going to get, and we, we're understanding the level that we need to compete at. So um, I think our conference from the top down is just doing a great job of getting really good competition on our schedules. All right, we just had Jeff Conover on here. Unfortunately, he was part of the, uh, the demise of the San Diego State men's program. But I noticed that there are some renovations going on there in the gym, and money is being put into athletics. You guys are renovating the Peterson Gym. And one of the things I noticed is that they're putting in a 25-foot ceiling fan in the gym. Do you have a whole team of float servers now? Have you completely abandoned the jump serve? Because I would. No, and, and they've tested that fan out in different places to know that it's not going to affect the flow of the ball very much. So, trust me, we need that fan because they can't put air conditioning in there. 
and summers just seem to be hotter and hotter in uh, San Diego. What, what do facilities mean from a standpoint of recruiting? I went up to Oregon as part of the TV coverage. I've been up there a couple of times, and I already signed my national letter of intent to, uh, to attend there based on the, the facilities that they have. Uh, when you're selling your program, how important are the facilities that you're showing kids? I mean, there's a sense of pride in, in having a decent facility. Uh, we don't have the best facility in the conference either, but I don't think people decide to come to San Diego State because, because or not because of the gym that we play in. Uh, so, um, you know, we show them. We're excited about the improvements that are being made, but it's not, I don't think it's going to make or break many decisions. Yeah, people go to Oregon for sure because of the facilities, and then they have to decide when they're there if that's enough reason to be there. <laughs> Good call. Well, Deidre, thanks very much. Good luck next season. We know you were uh, 16 and 14 last season. The season before you were 23 and 8, but you guys are looking to, uh, to be a powerhouse again this year in the Mountain West. And good luck the rest of this, uh, this summer out there. Thanks. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Let's, uh, let's get Kyle Robinson in the conversation here because this guy, he played at LIU Southampton, and I had to look up some of this because I didn't know where he came from when he came to the national team. So where did this guy, he came out of LIU, he spent some time with the national team, he found a wife, he started a club, he played overseas, he started his college coaching career all while in Colorado Springs. He's now 76-10 and 10 in six seasons of conference play. He is the three-time reigning Northeast Conference Coach of the Year an overall record of 119 and 70. His team went 23 and 8 last year. And what do you get when you go 23 and 8, Jeremy? You get Penn State. Congratulations! Great season. Good job. Here's the juggernaut. We will feed you to the buzzsaw. Uh, but he went. He went respectable scores: 21, 21, 14. Because I think someone hung. Someone got a nine hung on him by Penn State the tournament last year. It was not. It was not LIU Brooklyn. Kyle Robinson. <laughs> Hey, Barney, I really appreciate the introduction. It's great uh, talking to you. Uh, you're, you're much too kind. <laughs> no way, dude. Hey, what did you learn about last season? What did you learn about you last season going 23-8? and eight? Um, You know, I learned that I had to stay patient and just um, stay focused on the process that we set in place and Keep, uh, keep training our kids at uh, what we think is the highest standard and um, not dropping our expectations at all. Is that tough to do because you know athletes are cycling in and out, you lose people to injury or you lose them to graduation? Is it hard not to sometimes uh, recognize those factors? Um, I think it is. You know, we, we all get, kind of get lost in the excitement and the, and the grind of, of the job, but... Um, you know, we just we take it day by day, and, and we're thankful and appreciative for every day we get to be in the gym and train hard and get better. And, um, and sometimes it goes our way, and sometimes it doesn't. Now, you had an opportunity there at Brooklyn to come back home. What's best about being back in New York? Oh, I mean, aside from the greatest pizza on the planet, um, <laughs> you know, Brooklyn's just a very unique area in our country. Um, coming home for me was, was huge because um, there's so much diversity and, and uh, life thriving in Brooklyn, and that's, that's not a slight to any place else that I've been or lived, but um, Brooklyn I just should, fell in love with a long time ago. It, it should be a slight to Colorado Springs, not the, uh, the 
birthplace of diversity. I, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I love the Springs, and I was just back there a few weeks ago, and was actually at the training center, and, and you know, remember the good old days with you, and I love it there. I, I would move back there in a heartbeat if I uh, had a sweet gig like yours, and you know, and maybe I can do a net live in the Springs or something. Well, I don't live in the Springs anymore, man. You got to come to Redondo Beach to. Uh, yeah, I, to I know. <laughs> well, hey, uh, you had this summer opportunity. Why? What brought you to get in with Tim and go over there and end up in Croatia this week? Well, I, mean, I think you know uh, Tim and I have been friends for a really long time. He's been my agent when I played professionally, and um, I've always been impressed with how he does business and how he's ran. Uh, the agency. So when I got on the coaching side and uh, was able to uh, get involved with the tours and um, being able to give back through uh, people that I respect and people I know are doing it for uh, the reasons I think are right, um, I jumped on it. That was TK and, and Corey and, and everybody involved with Bring It. And uh, I just think it's an opportunity that you don't see. I really can't say I've seen it any place else in the world. So. Um, it was an easy choice to come to this uh, this tournament, which I've done before, and other tours that I've been on with Brent. <clears throat> what mo- has most impressed you about the other athletes that you've seen on the other national teams, be it the youth national teams and some of the junior national teams that are there? Um, well, I mean, skill level is, is always you know high, so we're always impressed to see. Uh, volleyball being played at such a high level at such a young age. Um, but, you know, from all the athletes in the gym, they come in and are still enjoying playing the sport, you know, it's still um, grinding away and getting better, and um, they, they still have a love and, and thirst for the game. So that's, that's what's more, most impressive for me. Now, one of the things for me, Kyle, I was still playing when I had kids. Uh, you were already done playing. You were already full-time coaching by the time you were having kids. How has being a dad affected you as a coach? How has it changed you? Patience. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, you, you've got two boys who are, uh, you know, they're Barnett. Huh? <laughs> they're, they're pretty uh, wild, and, and, and the Robinson kids aren't too far off. I mean, um, I think having children around teach you patience, and uh, our kids are in the gym a lot, so there, there's a sense of clarity I get seeing our kids with our girls um, that, that I love. Uh, the family atmosphere is, is amazing, and um, even, you know, administratively at school, my kids are always around and hanging out in the office with my AD and my SWA, and those are valuable moments that, you know, um, have taught me a lot of patience and thankfulness for the opportunities I have. Hey, your wife, Jennifer, where did she play again? Um, she played four years at Michigan State, registered in her first, and then she played for Mary down in Florida her fifth year. So does she ever give you grief about some decision you've made or second-guess you or you have some intense volleyball discussions at home? Oh, for sure, 100% early on, you know, but... She played for uh, two great coaches, you know, Chuck Irby to start Michigan State, and then Mary uh, Wise down in Florida. And that was a huge part of my growth as a coach. Um, you know, I learned so much just having dialogue with Jen about her experiences and um, had an opportunity, to, several opportunities to speak with Chuck at, at times. And 
Um, you know, I've just uh, been around the area times to talk with her, and yeah, we've, we've had some some great discussions about defense and you know how the men's game should try this and you know adapt it for the women's game and vice versa. You know, so yeah, it was uh, it was really hard for her at one point. All right, Kyle. Don't give anyone else a chance. Don't let him up off the mat, man. Four-time Northeast Conference Coach of the Year this year, okay? I appreciate it, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Kyle Robinson, thanks. Uh, let's keep going around the room here. I, I think the artist formerly known as Mike Seeley is present. Uh, he won a national title in 1993 over who, Jeremy? Who? Who did UCLA beat? I don't want to say it. Yeah, CSUN, buddy. Tournament MVP, national team, Belgian titles, inventor of the perfect pass pad. I don't know if anyone remembers that. <laughs> Maybe Mike. Took over UCLA in 2010, promptly won the national championship in 2011. Went through a challenging 2013. Mike. Yes. You're present and accounted what? for. Hey, whatever happened with the perfect yeah. pass pad? Was that the name of the thing? If, if you go to shotmaster.net, I actually sold the patent to a basketball company, so it's still going strong. Still has its volleyball implications, but feel free to look it up under shotmaster.net. Shotmaster.net, doing so currently. Ah, excellent. I probably still own 2% of that company, so that was a very you know, selfless plug right there. I like it. So you've got to keep your arms up when you catch the ball. You can't drop your hands. That's excellent. All right, shot. Yeah, you don't, get, you don't get to wind up your shot. <laughs> I'll post that on the on the page. That's fantastic. I like that. Awesome. Hey, M- Mike, I mentioned the fact that you went through a, a tough season this last year. You guys were fifteen and fifteen. What did you learn about yourself going through that? You're breaking, breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Thank God I had about twenty. Thank God I had about twenty minutes to prepare for that question. Um, you know, in hindsight, it was the most important season I've ever had. It, it was the most amazing experience. I'm completely, utterly honored and thankful for it. You know, we preach all the time trying to teach kids how to be tough and how to uh, handle adversity. And for the first time in my life at 42 years old, I, I was in a, you know, a situation that was really challenging. And I will say when the season ended, it felt like a slow, horrible death. And you spend months in anguish of trying to figure it out, and you survive. And you get up and you move on and then you move on to the next thing. And if we can't, if that's not the most important life lesson we're teaching our kids, then, then we're teaching the wrong things. So I was very thankful to, having, to have that experience and be able to, to bounce back and improve. Now, you've had some changes, not due to the season, perhaps, but just due to life circumstances. Joy McKenzie Furbringer leaves. You elevate Stein Metzger and you hire Caitlin Nielsen. I, I wonder, how do you go about constructing your staff? How do you find your assistant coaches or your volunteers, folks that you want to bring into your program? You know, this is the first time that I did an extensive interview for that uh, recruiting coordinator position, and I interviewed some of the, you know, the, the best recruiting coordinators in the country, and I, I learned so much through going through that process. You know, I probably had 12 to 15 phone interviews. I sat down and met with probably – Eight people brought in four people to UCLA for, a, for that last round of interviews, and I learned a ton. I realized kind of our errors in the past and the things that we weren't doing. Um, you know, I don't think I was great at instructing our staff or really knowing inherently what the recruiting position involved, but I knew that we needed somebody full-time on it, and um, I learned a ton. And Caitlin is off the charts talented. She's... Uh, was an amazing player. She's an achiever. She's an absolute grinder, and she's been a great addition. 
Now, you've taken the summer to do a variety of different things. We saw you early on with the men's national team working with John Spraw and also brought in Eric Sullivan, kind of a UCLA reunion there for you guys. Now you're out on this trip. What's your role on this trip, and what are you trying to accomplish as far as your own coaching style or your own coaching growth with these different assignments throughout the summer? Um, you know, John, when he got hired, I, you know, I was thankful enough to be able to work with Alan Knife in the last squad as a consultant, just kind of help train setters a little bit and just see what I saw. So I was able to help John out last summer. I only had time for one trip this year, but it was just nice to be around the guys again. So it was fun to be with Sullivan in, uh, in Bulgaria for that first trip. Tim asked, Tim's asked me in the past to coach these things, and I've always thought that for me to be at my best when the season rolls around, I always need a break from volleyball. I wasn't quite the huge volley dork like you were where you could go year-round. I needed a break. Um, but this time around, I decided that, you know, I'd like, I'd like to come over and coach. So after you reading Kyle's uh, biography, I'm not sure why I'm considered head coach. He's got way more accolades than I do. So I may give him the whistle tomorrow let him run with it. <laughs> the net live making policy across the pond. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. What, what do you do to get away? What, what constitutes a break for you guys? And that's, that's oftentimes a, a question with a lot of these coaches because you guys do grind it out, man. You guys are always working. How do you escape? Uh, is it stand-up paddleboarding? What is it? No, and I would appreciate it if they would stay out of the lineup a little bit. You know, I think that the normal surfers kind of keep our breaks and stand. I'm just kidding. Probably the stand-up guys are going to punch me in the face next time. No, I try to surf a lot. The, the two days a year when Tim Kelly comes into the country, we like to take him surfing on occasion. Um, you know, I think you got to look at the calendar. I think you have to force yourself to, to pick and choose dates where you got to get away from it. And I think it's, like you're saying, it's a year-round thing now. It's like as soon as the season's done, you're already thinking about transfers. You're thinking about recruits. When recruiting's done, you're thinking about your preseason prep. And if you don't take the time to get away from it, it, it can get all-encompassing. Is there any kind of... of doubt that creeps in in a season like last year for you or or is it just about managing getting to the end of it and kind of reassessing things or do you at at any point look around and go what the hell is happening here um you just you just show up you know and like i said it's we we talk to girls all year you know you're learning life lessons in sport that are going to help you later in life and life happens and you get punched in the face and you got a choice you know encourage or quit are you going to keep going you're going to stop so it was, it was an amazing lesson on how deep can we go. You know, kind of the theme of our season before it started was what lies within. What are we made of? And we saw it. You know, it, it, we, you know, we got ourselves in a situation where we maybe had some injuries. We had a ton of injuries. We had some transfers from previous years, and we just came in with a team that was good enough to have won four or five more matches. You know, you, you said it was 15 and 15, but, you know, you look back through and you're like, oh, there were those – tight fifth set, there were those opportunities where you could have changed it. Now, two, one more win, two more wins, you're in the tournament. So our focus the whole year was, hey, let's, let's finish above 500 to get tournament eligible. Let's, uh, let's sneak in. You know, you go back to one of our last weekends, we played the Arizonas at home. We lose the Arizona State, you know, 17-15 in the fifth, where we had a nice little cushion and could have won it. And then we beat Arizona 3-0. So if we had gotten both wins that weekend, more likely than not, we're in the tournament. And once you're in, anything can happen. So we always kind of kept the carrot dangling. We do have an opportunity to sneak in. And once we're in, hey, anybody's got a chance. You know, and when it didn't work out, we just had that conversation with the team of, hey, you know, it's, it's a bummer we're not in, but we got everything we deserve. And we just got it to move on. It was a great motivator. 
I think uh, we're in the middle of some culture shift, and I think sometimes that slap in the face uh, changes culture a little faster. Yeah, I remember a lot of close matches, and you're right, 19 and 11 looks a lot different and certainly gets you in the tournament, and there's a much different feeling about that when it's just a few points here or there, uh, the difference between 15 and 15 and 19 and 11. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, if, yep. if you have that season and you squeak in the tournament, then maybe people don't realize that things need to change. So maybe it's better to not get in, get the kids more motivated, get staff more motivated, let's retune and, and fine-tune what we're doing. So for me, it's a blessing in disguise. You know, sometimes you don't, you know, the coaches always talk about when you win 15-13 in the fifth, you're celebrating. When you lose 15-13, you're losing sleep. Oh, my God, we're terrible. What are we going to do? It's two points. You know, it's one ball landing two inches one way or the other, and it completely changes your mindset. That's a great point. Uh, Mike, shifting gears for a second, you're a guy who played overseas substantially, spent time in Belgium and Switzerland and Puerto Rico, lots of different places. What was your overseas exposure like before you actually were doing it, when you were on your collegiate team and when you were just joining the national team? How much did you know about playing overseas and, and how different is that than the athletes that you're coaching today who already are overseas, even though they're in college? Yeah, I think my only experience overseas in college was I made a World University Games team. So we trained for a couple of weeks and headed over to England for that one week, and that was the only experience. And back then, you know, that's when Karch was making a million bucks overseas and, and the money was good overseas. And as a college, you know, athlete, I think you don't know really what goes on overseas. You think that because you play at UCLA, they're going to hand you a contract in Italy. You know, I think you assume that you're going to be able to go wherever you want to go to play. And I, I think nowadays it's, you know, some contracts are big. I think for the, the kids on the national team, they're getting some great opportunities. But for that average college kid, even with talent, hey, you may have to go for your first year, make a thousand bucks a month and ride a bicycle. You know, you got, you got to earn your keep. And we're seeing it with a lot of uh, the teams that are here this week. You know, you don't, little things, you don't get four buckets of balls with, with 100 balls in there and clean balls for warm-ups. You've got to fill up your own water bottle. You've got to walk to the gym. There's a, some, some life lessons and some normalcy here that I think is important to see. It's important, like you were talking about the facilities thing before. It drives me nuts that we set these kids up, but we've got to give them the nicest facilities to earn, you know, their, their playing for our teams. And we're, just, we're setting them up for a life that's not realistic. They've they got to learn to grind. They've got to learn that life always isn't shiny. You don't need a flat screen in your locker. Um, I just think there's just real life lessons out here they got to learn. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about this on the show and at other times in volleyball discussions about the difference for the women coming out of collegiate volleyball today where it is one of the premier sports for women in the collegiate system. There's a lot of money thrown at it from a standpoint of facilities, travel, team, things like that. But when you get the kids into this situation overseas, you and I know well and those that have been overseas know well that it isn't the same. You alluded to that. How interesting is it for you to watch the kids' reactions to the stresses of overseas travel as a team during these events? Oh, it's great. You know, it's a great learning opportunity. I think our staff, is, we're having some fun with it. You know, we're not judging. We re- realize they haven't been in these situations a ton. But the big uh, challenge today was they couldn't fill up their water bottles because the sink was too shallow. So we're, we're in a, like, you know, trying to figure out how to, how to hydrate because we don't have water bottles. Everyone's walking out there empty like three-year-olds needing their, their babas to be filled. And so we're trying to explain to them, you've got to find a way. I mean, go find a shower somewhere. It's raining outside. Go make a funnel. Who knows? 
<laughs> so we had we had a couple we had a couple of girls that were filling up the caps of their Gatorade bottle, all 0.5 ounces, and slowly trying to fill up their bottles. Luckily, uh, we showed them some old camping trips, uh, camping tricks. We figured it out. We survived. I love it. If that's my biggest problem today, Jeremy, let me know that I'm all right. Just let not me know. Not being able to fill up your water bottle? Yeah, if I'm, if I'm a little dehydrated, let me know that, that, first, that first I'm going to be problem. okay. <laughs> hey, Mike, is there any way for folks to see any of what's happening over there? Are there live streams or anything? Or maybe Tim knows this about what's happening uh, with the tournament over there. Yeah, the team I'm a football coach, dude. I don't do any online stuff. I'm going to let Tim jump back in here. Are you all good? Volley Talk is still on the front page, and it has the live stream address, and both the first and second courts are live streaming from, uh, I guess for you guys, it would be 11.30 p.m. all the way through the night, because we're playing here from 8.30 a.m. until about 9 o'clock at night, and the, both courts are just set up on live stream. They're running all the way through, and the schedule is also posted on that link. All right, right on. Yeah, send me that link, and we'll make sure we post that so folks can check it out if they'd like it. You said you have Debbie there as well, right? I do. Let's drag her over. Hi. Debbie, 23 years at Long Beach State. 23 years at Long Beach State, a U.S. Olympic volleyball team member, and one of the best setters in the history of the USA women's game. Thanks for joining us. Tell us. Thanks for uh, having us. Hey, tell me about, you said, Tim said you have an Augusta team there. What, I, I don't know the background on that. Give me the background and our fans the background on, uh, on the team that you're coaching or who you're involved it's with. Actually, it's actually an all-star team. Dana Wall started it, and um, she, she moved to West Virginia, right? No, North Carolina. North Carolina, and she wanted to have an opportunity for – the young kids to travel overseas and get international play and and they didn't have anything like that so she started this and she asked me last year if I would coach you know be one of the coaches and I said absolutely not I'm yeah. done coaching I don't want to do lineups but um, so she asked me if I'd help like mentor the coaches and so what I do is I go and I'll sit on the bench and help the coaches work the scrimmages and the practices before the tournament and then talk to the kids and, you know, sort of like an assistant coach, which is a much better role for me than being a head coach of a team. Yeah, what, what is fun about assistant coach for you? Um, I like it because my strength was coaching setters and so I could be more, I could focus on the setters. Whereas a head coach, you really have to see the whole painting, the whole big picture. And um, so I really liked helping setters and seeing them develop and, and having players ride in my van. <laughs> uh, so I was asking if kids knew who Deidre was, and that was all the way back to 1984 in college. We have to go all the way back to the 1980 national team and the 1984 national team. Uh, for you, you even precede Deidre by a bit. Does, do any of these kids, are any of them at, at all students of volleyball or historians of the game? Do they know anything when they come in, or they just know you as uh, this is Coach, Coach Green? Uh, I think Dana did actually have them like look on the Internet about me because when I first met the team, you know, the little setters came up to me and, 
and it seemed like they knew some stuff. So that was nice. I think I think it is sad that a lot of these kids don't know the history of of our sport. You know, like like soccer and basketball players know the history of their sport. But you know, they weren't born when I played, so I don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> You've had an opportunity to work with some really fantastic collegiate setters. Joy McKenzie, mm-hmm. Kiri Nishimoto, Brittany Hochaver, and, and, of course, Misty May is a name that people will remember if they don't know Brittany, which they should anyway. But you, you've had an opportunity to work with a lot of special athletes. What have you taken from working with some of these athletes and watching the progression of the game? Well, each each one of my setters, was they were all very different. Their personalities and and um, their strengths and their weaknesses. But I, I always liked that setter recruiting. I, it wasn't necessarily the junior national setter. I, I like working with a setter that's hungry to learn and to prove people wrong. Joy McKenzie blew her knee out. She's one of the top recruited setters. She blew her knee out. Coaches backed off. So we got a shot at her. She came to Long Beach. and. Um, it took a couple years for that knee to have the stability to, to do the movements, um, especially on transition for, for setting. But her senior year, we won a championship. Brittany had always wanted to be a setter. She was always usually the last one cut. She was sort of the jack-of-all-trades player, but she wanted to prove that she could set. Carrie Nishimoto was a smaller setter. Sherry Sanders was 5'2". So she really wanted to prove that she wasn't too short, and uh, Misty wanted to turn into a setter. So it was fun helping them achieve their goals. Interesting. Now, you have this team started by Dana Wall as an opportunity to have exposure to overseas. What are some of the discussions that you have with the players about playing overseas and about the, the life that's possible for a volleyball player? Well, the, the players we have are pretty young, but I think it's a growing experience. And, and the big thing is, you know, the volleyball is amazing, but, but it's about learning to travel and being responsible and, you know, um, being a teammate. A lot of these teams, they didn't know each other. You know, they might have had a couple hours of practice before. So it's, I think the big thing is learning to communicate and become a t- team as quickly as possible, you know. And um, I don't really, I don't know. I don't give a lot of like, life lessons, or I didn't play overseas. I didn't play professionally overseas, so I don't talk. You know, I don't have experience to talk about that. But you know, they ask. You know, what's it like to be in the Olympics, and I want to be in the Olympics, and what does it take, and, you know, stuff like that. Do you have, do you have any go-to stories when you get these questions? Um, well, it's different now. You know, now the players go overseas. They play professionally. They come back. They train a few months, you know, together as a team, and they, they go back and forth. They do play year-round. When I trained, we didn't go overseas and play. We train year-round as a team. So I just told them you have to set your priorities, especially once you get to high school. 
you know, I was lucky that, thank goodness, those a lot of those six-foot-tall setters, their priorities became more social. They wanted to go to proms and go shopping and, you know, go to the movies with their friends because if they hadn't, you know, had chosen that route, then I would never have gotten the opportunities. Well, Debbie Green, thanks for spending Thanks for spending some time with us and uh, letting people know about what you're doing over there. Your, uh, Jebby's re- number was retired at USC, Jeremy, just recently, so congratulations on that. Hey, uh, Tim Kelly, thanks a lot for putting this together. Thanks, Kyle, Deidre, Mike, Debbie, everybody there. Thanks for uh, calling in and, and making our show a, a lot more interesting here in the afternoon. Tim, any information we missed? No, I mean, we've got a Facebook page and a Twitter account, but I'll send them both over to you or post something on, on your Facebook page for about the tournament, that is. Right on. Right on. We'll look forward to having some people tune in and, and check out some of the talent that's on display over there. And you can check out both uh, domestic athletes that you know, but also look at some of these, these youth national teams, Russia, Italy, Croatia, so on. A good opportunity to see uh, a different brand of volleyball from across the world. Hey, thanks, everybody over there in the room. We appreciate it. Thank All right. you. Thanks for having us. All right. Bye, guys. That's the end of our uh, – Jeremy. Is that TNL first, by the way? No, I think a we – A roundtable of coaches? We passed the phone around one time with Russ Rose, similar with TK, a couple of years ago. Okay. But it's, it, it is not often it's you impressive. can gather those folks together. Yeah. And have them all in the same room. All. Yeah. Uh, some, some fun quotes in there. Were you writing anything down? I was just listening. And I, I like that Mike. Uh, he he wanted he he see what I wanted to see what I saw. I see what I saw. My favorite thing is he, he hates up stand up paddle boarders. That's what I took. <laughs> That's what I took away from his conversation. Quit stealing all the way. Yeah, exactly. Quit bogarting all the ways. <laughs> no, it's a uh, it's a cool group to uh, to get to hang out with right there. I mean, you think about it. Look, a 1988 Olympian. Mm-hmm. A 1984 and what would have been 80 Olympian in Debbie Green. Yep. 88 was Dietrich Collins. You have Mike Seeley, multiple times overseas, national championship in 1993, national championship as a coach in 2001. Kyle Robinson, three-time coach of the year, national team player, guy who has coached at a variety of levels now. You have a whole bunch of different experience in the room and throw in TK with you know, five days growth. Yeah, six foot ten of them, and uh, it's it's got to be fun first of all. Yeah, it's got to be a lot of fun. Sure. And you throw in all the the women that they're managing, all the young girls and women that they're managing there, and uh, what a what a unique thing to get to go do in the summer. Go to Croatia in the summer, which doesn't suck, and play some volleyball. And what an experience for the kids too. Amazing experience for the kids, and they won't understand that. Not now. For a while. Yeah, yeah. They'll fine. have fun. Yeah. And they'll, you know, whatever. But it takes a pretty uh, present kid to know that that is a special opportunity to get to be in that place doing that thing with those coaches, with those people. Yeah. Pretty neat. My phones are telling me that Tim has posted that stuff on our pages and Twitter account, and I will make sure to repost them as well. Excellent. Get out there and, and check this out. Just give it a look. You know, you're sitting around work, not doing too much. Give it a look. Hey, you're sitting around work, listening to us, not doing anything. We've got some audio, right? We've got to get to yeah. this audio because uh, time's and, running out. And show. Cam's going to call it, too. He's going to call in. Well, yeah, hmm. but we can listen to some audio first. Let's listen to a little audio. Can we run them all back to back to back here? Sure. All right, this is audio from Stad. 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 Nick Lucena. Phil. Philip. Bill Phillip Dalhauser, 
and uh, one Superman. While talking about Sean. Yep. Hey guys, it's Cam. We're here in Stad just after the men's bronze medal match. We're here with Nick Lucina from the United States, just defeating Urban Matasik from Germany. Two straight. Nick, what was the game plan going into this match? Oh man, I, I told Ryan, I said, let's try and side out better than them. They, they're a really good side out team. We just got back from a tough loss yesterday. Uh, we wanted that cowbell. I mean, that was bad. That was our only motivation. So, uh, Ryan played great passing wise, and uh, we were able to score points here and there. Pretty fortunate. Nice. Now, what was your serving strategy? You know, I saw that you liked putting, uh, I think it was Matisic, short, short little serves, try to get them close to the net. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kai has been a, he's a great side-out player, and so is Jonathan. We were trying to get him in some serving trouble, so I tried the deep floaty. Ryan tried to go for a couple jump serves. Um, they were pretty much in system, except for a couple plays, and when they weren't, we took advantage uh, of that, and that was really the difference. 9-6 in the second set, you are leaping out of bounds, one-handed dig, and then Ryan puts it away. You're throwing the hat down. You're getting the crowd fired up. What, what is your thoughts at that moment of the game? Uh, that was exciting. I'm glad we won that point. Uh, I thought... Uh, you know, any point we give up, it's pretty critical. So to win that, uh, was pretty exciting. We got a little, little momentum, and I think we were able to get a couple more after that. So I was pretty shocked that I got it up. <laughs> All right. So what's next? Are we gonna see you next week in the Hague? Yeah, we'll be in the Hague, and we're finally not in the qualifier. So excited about that. So we'll see. A little windy conditions over there, and ball control is a suspect. All right. We will be in the Hague as well next week. So tune in and check the website at volleyballsource.net. We'll see you guys later. Hey guys, it's Cam. One last time from Stad. The men's final just took place. Sean Rosenthal, Phil Dalhauser defeating Alisson Bruno of Brazil. Sean, first initial thoughts right after the match ended. Uh, just uh, great feelings. Um, Phil played great. Uh, you know, I, I dug some balls, but Phil was serving so well, getting them out of system and uh, getting some aces, which takes a lot of pressure off of me to side out. And, uh, you know, we got a big lead there at the end, which. Uh, at the end of it, it looked like we needed because I was getting a little shaky on my passes. So uh, just, uh, just great feelings. I'm so stoked to uh, come away with this win and, and uh, add another cowbell and to get my first cowbell with Phil. Yeah. Phil, Rosie mentioned the serving. You got multiple aces, a lot of those down the middle. Is serving the seam on this team kind of a game plan going in? No, that's just where I like to serve it um, because someone has to make a quick decision, and if they second-guess that decision, then it's too late and it's an ace. So that's kind of my game plan for a heavy team, and it just happened to work today. All right, so a couple of points during the match. I saw you looking back at the board. We talked a couple of years about how you like watching the replay, see if there are any little nuances that you can pick up on. Was there anything specifically today that you saw that you corrected that resulted in a point? Uh, not really. Uh, when Allison started shooting around in the first set, uh, I kept looking up to see if I could notice anything in his approach, and I did, but then we, he actually stopped shooting, so I never got a chance to try it out. All right, Rosie, 2016 in the first set, uh, trouble play. You're up at the net, left up at the net. You just put hands up. You get the soft block. I thought you were going to score and take the set with that one, but they picked it up. What are your thoughts just getting the touch on that and having it go back over? Uh, it, was, uh, it was just instinct, you know. I just, threw, I just threw him up there to block my face, really. I thought he was going to bring one down at me pretty hard, so I just put him up there, and he hit it into my hands. Unfortunately, they, they got that point, but... Uh, you know, we, we stuck it out, and uh, Phil stuck with me even through my uh, passing woes there. And, uh, you know, it's another win for us, and uh, hopefully we can continue to build. And, you know, we got a big tournament next week in Netherlands, and uh, we're excited to head in there with, uh, with a nice winning streak and a two-tournament win streak.
Yeah, definitely back-to-back goals. Let's see if they can continue it in the Hague. We will be from there at the Hague next week as well. Check out the website, Volleyball Source, for more info. Congrats once again to Phil and Rosie. Thanks, Thank you. Back-to-back goals. Back-to-back. Uh, watching the board for replays. I like that. I like that. Smart. There's a little smart thing you can pick up. There's a benefit to stadium court right there. Guess what? If any other players are listening to that right now, guess what they're going to start doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's if, like they weren't the al- if they weren't already. Why do you think I held on to my end of my shorts when I started playing volleyball? Because you're wearing a three-inch seam short, so you had to pull yeah, them Because I watch Karch. That's why. <laughs> Hashtag cowbell problems. Is that what we're, uh, we're doing for Nick Lucena this week? Cowbell problems, yeah. Hashtag giant cowbell. Yeah. They give you a huge cowbell? That's what you trophy. Win. You didn't see the photo? Sor- Schwartz? No, I just saw the, the medals on the podium. I didn't see the giant cowbell. It's literally, I mean, it's a giant cowbell. So you get giant cowbells and swords. Yeah. Or S-words. What do you win at the Hague? Do you get, like, a big gavel? Sure. Do you get that for, like, trials and such? Who delivers it to you is my question. I asked Sean about the sword when we were in Milwaukee. said they keep it, and they engrave it, and they ship it to you. Right. Yeah. Right, because you can't carry it. We discussed that you with April Ross. can't. Can't carry that with you. But the Hague, they have to give you something from the Hague. I'm thinking something from the Nazi trials. They have to give you a, a gavel. Guess we're going to find Or it. a robe. We'll find out this weekend. How a about robe. a giant black robe? There you go. A judicial robe. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. Let's welcome in Cam Kerr of Volleyball Source. Cam, friend of the show, you're, uh, you're on tour this year, my man. I most certainly am. How are you guys doing? How's California doing? It's, uh, it's a little overcast currently. Yeah, kind of humid. But it's fine. Not complaining. Yeah, I'm actually. Yeah, it was okay. So this past week in Stad, it rained every single day. It was cold. It was wet. Many teams were not playing their best volleyball. But you know, the tournament went on, and finally, on the last day, the the day of of all the medal matches, we got some decent weather. So that. All right. So they were maybe wearing yoga pants. Do you, as a reporter, have to wear compression or yoga pants to stay warm? No, I was shorts and flip-flops, mainly because I just hate the feeling of wearing long pants and getting them wet. So I was yeah. freezing, but at least I could hop inside and get, like, my little towel and just dry off. Now, I love that you're on tour here. You've had the opportunity to get out and be a part of the FIVB for the year. How did you make this opportunity happen, for our listeners that don't know? Well, a lot of people know my website, webosource.net. Um, we started offering services and uh, like live streaming video we live streamed the last time i called in actually we were live streaming the fivb world championship qualifiers for our north safe zone yeah yes from the hershey center you you remember very well i was i was on the roof in the, the lobby yep. of the place i'm staying the 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 places i go to talk to you guys is unbelievable. but yeah so like we charge for those live streams and uh it helps bring in revenue for us because we realize you know advertising isn't going to bring in enough revenue to kind of go on trips like this. So we started doing new things, and people started asking us to do it after they see, you know, like the job that we did over with FIVB and Volleyball Canada events. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, what uh, what is your focus when you're there? How much are you talking to the Canadians? How much are you talking to other countries' folks? And are you getting in with the U.S. guys? And we appreciate the audio there for us. And how do you – Decide how to divvy up your time. What I this week is going to be tough. Last week it was kind of my my focus is primarily Canadians, but either if there are matches going on, you know, on the side matches, I'll pop over there and get some footage and kind of watch some of those as well. Or if the Canadians are eliminated, um, then 
I'll just focus on who's ever left in the tournament. So that's kind of where my allegiances lie during these coverage this week, though. Oh, man. Okay, so this year at The Hague is a test event for next year's World Championships. And they're spread across three cities, Amsterdam, The Hague, and Appledorn. Some of them are like a two-hour drive away. And with pool play, it's basically once, you, once the draw is done and you get assigned your pool, you're like, all right, pool A, you're in Appledorn. And they put you on a shuttle in your hotel and venue for there. So for me to travel back and forth, I really haven't figured out how I'm going to do it yet. It could be like two hours or four, four to six hours on the road every day. Helicopter. Yeah, you sure. Yeah, I, need, I need to do many more live streams before we can commission a helicopter <laughs> to come to Holland. <laughs> Volleyballsource.net helicopter. Hel- Kickstarter. That's right. The Kickstarter helicopter campaign for Volleyballsource.net. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, Cam, thanks for checking in. We're going to try and check out here on the program and uh, have a good time there. I imagine we'll see you down here in another week's time at Long Beach. Uh, you most certainly will. I will see awesome. you in a week. Right on. Cam Kerr, thanks a lot. Enjoy the volleyball this week. Take care, guys. All Thanks, right. Cam. Cam Kerr checking in from The Hague, where we will we will wait for the pictures at the end of the week to see if you get a gavel or a judicial robe or the scales of justice, perhaps. Scales of justice. I don't know. You've got to get something, something creative. Cause well, especially the last the two Hague, tournaments, you got something really cool. So Yeah, if you're, the, if you're the promoters of The Hague, you're looking at the last two tournaments and go, oh, they give out swords? Swords. And giant cowbells. Literally, what are we going to do? Giant cowbells. What are we going to do? <laughs> huh? It's Holland. Well, it is, you know, uh, maybe you give out a uh, free night at, well, never mind. Never mind. Holland, isn't that where they have the red light district? Yeah. No, the shoes. What are the shoes called? Oh, a giant pair of uh, clogs. Yeah. Maybe you get this. <laughs> Here, here's a or, windmill. windmill. Or you get some fuzzy ones you can hang around your rear view mirror. How awesome would that be? Fuzzy clogs? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen fuzzy clogs. Of all the creations in the world. Well, now you're welcome. Whoever's going to I don't know if anyone has ever made those. You're welcome. Like, I'm imagining Sully Fur from Monsters, Inc. on clogs. <laughs> yeah. That oh, would be awesome. Sweet. All right. Thanks for tuning in here to the show. We hope we delivered on the really big show in capital letters that we offered Jeff Conover, fresh off of the AVP success in Milwaukee. He was here to talk to us. We got to hear from him. We had a bunch of coaches for you. Deidre Collins of San Diego State, Kyle Robinson of LIU Brooklyn, Mike Seeley of UCLA, Debbie Green of Long Beach State and National Team Fame. Thanks to all of them for being here. Thanks to Cam Kerr for calling in and providing some audio there from the beach event last week in Stad. And uh, thanks, Jeremy, for coming in today. Yep. Thanks and, for not getting me sick last week. Yeah, I'm glad we're both not sick this week. Man, we'll try and uh, make sure we're not sick again next week Sweet. on Monday. We'll have another show for you. Uh, Leon Fell coming up at some point here soon. We will have Leon. Uh, he of the mother load. Mother load. And we'll talk to him. He's uh, excited about the future of volleyball and the way things are going. It's a positive time here on the Net Live. Nice to have after 2010. Glad you're in a better mood, Kevin. For Jeremy, I'm Kevin. We'll see you next week on the Net Live.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.